Did you know that 85% of your engine wear occurs at startup? Yes, that is correct. And this is where Lower the Friction comes in by putting a protective, lubricating barrier on all moving parts. This now gives you full-time protection to make your engine last longer, run smoother, give you better performance, and improve fuel economy. People across the country are reporting some very exciting results. Go to LowerTheFriction.com, place your order, and enter in promo code SOS to get 5% off of your order. That's LowerTheFriction.com. All right, well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the weekly Secrets of Saturn livestream. I am Jason Lindgren, your host. This week, we've got someone new with us. That would be Jaron from Jaronism. Jaron, welcome aboard. Hello, guys. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I haven't had a chat like this in, in its entirety yet. We also have Wayne McCroy, Crow777, and the Great Baltini. All right. Let's make sure everything is working right, because even though I was taking a nap right before this live stream, I still was over here in time to get everything up and running, but DLive is being poo-poo right now, and it's absolutely refusing to work. So I gave up. Ro well, Rose is going to restream it off YouTube, so that's all, all done. Yeah, I usually try and converse with people as I can. So anyway, that's not happening. So anybody, anyway, anyway, anyway. All right, so we're, the reason what we're uh, going to be doing here tonight is about crypto. Now, old Uncle Elon Musk has been chitter-chattering up a storm about Bitcoin. So, of course, that made all the techies go out and buy tons of Bitcoin, shooting the price up. Oh, I didn't look up. Did it go up again? Let's see. I know the tiny, tiny, tiny bit of Bitcoin I had went from about $50 worth to 200 and some dollars worth. Right now, it's at 252.02. Okay, so it went back down. It's at 44000 The highest I'd seen it go was $47,000. I, I never thought this thing would ever do this a couple years back when I first started just learning about what this stuff is all about. But anyway, the only person I'm really friends with who knows anything about crypto to a large degree is indeed Jaron. So I'm going to hand this to you, Jaron. Where should we start to talk about crypto? What is it? We're going to talk about the pluses, the minuses. If there's any serious poppycock, let's get it out of the way. How it could be used for good and how it could be used for bad because so many people go back and forth on this stuff all the time. So where would you like to start, my friend? Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, everybody's got doubts about it. And I know I'm somebody who definitely thinks, you know, nearly everything is a conspiracy. So when something pops up and all of a sudden you have people saying, oh, this is different, this is uh, not a conspiracy or this has benefits, then I can understand why people are standoffish. Um, as far as, you know, real quick, my, my quick rundown of my story so that people understand a little bit about why I have a different opinion of this than most things is because... Back in 2013, 2014, so this is before I ever made a YouTube video, 
I used to write for two different uh, Bitcoin websites, and they used to pay me about 0.3 Bitcoin per article, which at the time was around around 75 bucks, and I was allowed to do two articles a week for each one. So you know, I was making like 150 uh, dollars, <clears throat> excuse me, from each site uh, every week, and you know that was actually like 0.6 Bitcoin. Uh, it's very sad to think about what that would be <laughs> today. But one thing that happened to me is that as time went on, I started to see a lot of flaws with it. I thought I saw a lot of, um, I don't know, impossibility for the everyday person to get involved. Uh, a lot of people were losing coins. A lot of people weren't sure about, you know, or didn't know how to handle their own finances. Uh, you know, things like passwords become much more important. And it's not like Bank of America where, you know, you, you forget your password. You just hit lost password. They email you. There's no problem at all. Though You'll never lose your money because you, you know, lost a password. Or with Bitcoin, you can lose your seed words or lose a password and be gone. It's gone. You'll never get it back. So I started to see some issues with that, and I saw, oh, man, this is a kind of a haven for scammers. And so at the end of about 2014, when I was done writing for these websites, uh, I just started to kind of use the Bitcoin to live off of, really, as it went up from you know $200 to like $400 to $600. I would just sell um, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there, basically kind of living off of it, and never really saw a problem with that. I didn't think that it would ever become go away, but I just didn't think it would ever get huge. So fast forward to, you know, now, and I sold out of my last Bitcoin around 2017 when I think it was about a thousand bucks at the end of 2017, somewhere around there. And, uh, you know, I've gotten back into it now and really it's just looking back and seeing what a joke I was. I mean, for some of the things I thought, what I didn't realize is with Bitcoin, you can always have innovation, right? So it's an open source code, uh, meaning people can develop new things off of it. They can basically make things more user-friendly, and that's what's happened over the last five years. So if I would have thought ahead back in 2013, 2014, and said, hey, this could be something big, this could be people are going to innovate, and I just would have put it away. So you know, say I had 40 Bitcoin, and I put that on a paper wallet, and I put it in my safe. Well, today that 40 Bitcoin would make me uh, you know, about $2 bucks. So I would have been able to cash it out and probably retire. So it's a pretty upsetting thing to look back and and again, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. We know that. And also I can't really think of it that way because I realized that even if it got to a thousand and I still had those forty Bitcoin, I would have been like, that's forty thousand bucks. I would have cashed. And if I didn't do it then, I would have done it when it got to two thousand. Then I would have done it when it got to five thousand or ten thousand. So to think that I would hold on to it all the way till it was today probably is not realistic. However, if I had a different mindset, it's possible. So my new mindset is simply when I have extra money, I treat it like as if I threw it away. You know, like I took, I don't know, went to the movie, took my wife out to dinner or something. And I just buy Bitcoin. I don't even really look at the amount. I don't even look at, um, you know, the current price or anything. I just buy it. I put it in my own wallet. And my goal is to not touch it until 20 years. So that's the way I'm looking at it. And I, I hope that the mindset works the same as it did before. Rather than look at all the problems, I kind of go, okay, there is some problems with it. People can innovate. It'll get easier. It'll get better um, with time. And it will be vastly more valuable than anything else. And, and that I base that statement off uh, scarcity. So to me, Bitcoin is by far the scarcest asset in the world, by far. Uh, much more scarce than gold, much more scarce than, I mean, you could talk, you could say the Mona Lisa, Jaren, is more scarce. Okay, good. One person has that. So I'm talking about something that you can actually uh, get a hold of today. You know, And it's scarce and it will be scarce and it will only become more scarce with time and you know, you know, people might ask, what is a Bitcoin going to be worth in 20 years? Or, you know, and, and my answer would be a Bitcoin is going to be worth a Bitcoin. Now, what will that Bitcoin buy you? 
time will tell. You know, I mean, I just wish I would have looked at it like I did, like I do today back then, because if I would have done that, then today I would be, uh, you know, wealthy. So my goal is 20 years. I see where that, you know, Bitcoin is at that time. And my guess will be that it will be extremely valuable. How valuable? I don't know. Will I be able to buy a house with it? Not sure. But as far as putting money away today and getting a nice payoff in, say, 20 years, uh, there's not much of a better investment in my mind right now. So that that's kind of the story is just a little bit, if you didn't go through, so when I hear things like it's a government conspiracy, they are, um, you know, it's the NSA who made it and there's some sort of trap coming up for, di the problem that I see with that is I don't think that the government really is, it's not in their interest to, especially somebody like me, to make them wealthy. And all I needed to do was just hold the Bitcoin I had. If I just would have done that, today I would be retired. So to say that that's a government conspiracy or that, well, what was the conspiracy? What What exactly was their goal. I mean, if I had $2 million today, I'd be able to be doing all my shows for, uh, you know, free. I wouldn't even be, have a Patreon. I wouldn't have anything. I would just, I wouldn't have to worry about those things. And that's exactly what the powers that be don't want. That's why it's very difficult to do what we do because there's just not money in it. And they know that and they keep it that way. And they like to, you know, convince people that, oh, truth is supposed to be free. And it's a great line to tell people when they're spending billions of dollars lying to people. It's very difficult to fight those billions of dollars with basically, uh, you know, one man shows out of your out of your house. That's basically what we have. So to me, I just see Bitcoin as a possibility that there is a way that we can fight back a little. What would that look like? Well, I mean, think about it, that we know what the dollar has done to enslave humanity. We know what uh, finances do to keep people poor, to keep people in the system, to keep people dependent on government. This all is around the whole idea of the dollar, the fact that they keep printing it. They've printed uh, 40% of the total money supply was printed in 2020. We may not see the repercussions of that yet, but they will come. They will eventually come. You can't just keep a debt-based money system, a fiat system going forever. It eventually catches up to itself. Now, will that happen in five years, 10 years, uh, you know, 50 years? I don't know. But when you look at how, how would we ever be able to combat that, number one, you need to have a decentralized system. It can't be, it can't be centralized. You can't have somebody at the top that's able to cut you off, turn you off, uh, be able to point a finger and say, you know what, we don't like what Jaron does, so he's not able to transact in Bitcoin. And that's happened to me with both Amazon and it's happened to me with PayPal, where they looked at what I was doing and said, we don't agree with your content, therefore you can't bank with us. And I no longer have PayPal access. I no longer can be an Amazon affiliate. That's the problem with our current monetary system, that you have centralized control where if somebody just doesn't want you participating, they're able to do that. With Bitcoin, it's impossible. There is nobody who can tell me I can't transact in Bitcoin. There's nobody who can turn me off, who say, you know, we're just going to turn off Jaren's account like they do with PayPal. And the reason for that is because it's a decentralized system that runs on a code with no owner, no operator, no main hub, no main system that can be taken down. It's not like what happened with Napster. If you guys remember Napster, the problem with Napster <laughs> was there was a centralized system. It was all the files existed on one basically server. So when the FBI went in, they shut down the server and guess what? The whole system went down. So after that, things like BitTorrent came out, right? BitTorrent had this idea where, well, if we separate the files into millions of pieces and put them across millions of computers, then when somebody goes on to download these files, they can grab a little bit from all these different PCs, but nobody can ever shut off the system. So it was the beginning of a decentralized idea or decentralized thought. And basically Bitcoin came along and did the same thing, only instead of with files, said, let's do it with the idea of digital money, you know, uncounterfeitable digital files that build themselves on a blockchain that exists on everybody's computer. And that's what Bitcoin did. And that's 
<laughs> really what has been so impressive is is just that. Now, again, could the NSA have come up with it? Sure. Absolutely. I don't really understand why they would, except for I do get that we know that they want to move us into this whole uh, digital age. We know that they're moving everything in, in that direction. So uh, could this just be a precursor or a setup? Yeah, I mean, you would never be able to say, no, it's impossible, uh, right? But when you look at the code of Bitcoin and you see all the things that have been built off of it, and you see what it has provided some people that I don't think the government would want them to have, then it starts to look like maybe it's possible that it was human beings that did this. And that's really what you would need, right? If we said, if we sat down today and said, how can we combat the monetary system that's enslaving us? We'd be very difficult because the first thing we would need to do is we'd need to say, well, we need something that everybody can trust and we need something that nobody can fuck up and we need something that we all agree on has value. And it would just get very convoluted very quickly as to creating something that would ever be able to get out like that. When you look at the story behind Bitcoin, that's what happened. You had just a couple guys in the cryptography forum talking back and forth. The guy comes out with this code, you know, the Satoshi, whether, you know, that's not real, but uh, whether it's a group of people or one guy or a pseudonym, you know, we don't know. But they basically had this idea and just uh, put it out there and it started to work. And as more people adopted it and saw its value, it took, it took off from there. But, you know, I was saying some of the same things people are saying now back in 2013. Like, ah, I don't see this lasting. Ah, I think it's too much of a haven for, for criminals, for scams. And because of that, I kind of said, okay, well, I'm going to get out of this. I don't think it's, you know, it's, it's going to stand the test of time. However, now we're looking, you know, 12, 13 years and Bitcoin hasn't been uh, knocked off its perch once. You know, obviously it's very volatile, goes up and down. But I think on a year to year basis, if you took an average, I think it's something like well over 200%. Uh, per year on on average, in, you know, uh, return, which you just don't see in other assets. So, you know, why is it so much better than gold? Well, lots of reasons to me. I mean, you can't go to the grocery store and pay with gold. You're gonna have a hard time buying things from the street with somebody who's paying in gold, mostly because China has counterfeited every uh, thing that there ever was. Um, so, you you know, you're not gonna be able to test a gold coin. You're not gonna be able to drip acid on it and scrub it on a rock or whatever. <clears throat> so. You, you know, the problem with that is you know, that's one problem. The other problem with gold is we don't know how much there is. You can think that you know, or they can give us a number. They say, oh, we think there's this much gold, but we don't know if there's really gold in Fort Knox. We don't know if there's really how much gold China has. I mean, these things are unknown. So it's one of those assets that, yeah, it has value, uh, but we really don't know how much exists. With Bitcoin, those two things are uh, generally solved. It's uncounterfeitable, uh, number one. Is that a word? Uncounterfeitable? I don't know. And number two, it is uh, it is a known quantity, right? So it's a known amount of Bitcoin that there'll ever be, which is why I say it's the scarcest asset in the world. And you can take something, um, you know, I've, I've done a couple of posts on it and talked about it in my shows that uh, pretty imp- pretty amazing that 0.25 Bitcoin, which is, you know, a quarter of Bitcoin. So today that's going to cost you, you know, 12,000. When I told people about this a couple of weeks ago, a couple, actually a couple of months ago, I guess, um, at the time, it was 5000 to buy a quarter Bitcoin. The reason that that number is important is, and, and this is a not an opinion, this is a mathematical fact, what I'm about to state, is that if you own 0.25 Bitcoin, that you will forever, and I mean for all times, no matter what, own more Bitcoin than 99% of the world. Now, the reason that is, well, n- number one, we have to make a couple of assumptions to make that claim. Number one, that the population doesn't go down, it only goes up. Okay, so we have to take 7.7 billion and say that number will never go down. So if there's a Dave Weiss kind of event where we go down to 3 billion people, uh, what I just said is not true. I'm basing this off of a, I'm basing this off of a $7.7 billion or billion uh, population. And the second assumption is that uh, 
only 21 million coins will ever exist, which is a fact. So pretty simple assumptions. And then you get from that 0.25 Bitcoin. And to get that number, you can just take the 21 million, divide that by 0.25 and you get 84 million, which if you think about that, it means there's 84 million possible segments of 0.25 Bitcoin. And by taking that number, the 84 million, dividing it out by the 7.7 billion, uh, you get 0.0109 something, you know. So basically to exist inside that one percent. Uh, you only need to own 0.25. So to me, when I hear something like that, um, I start thinking, okay, it, it doesn't mean that you're in the top richest 1% or anything like that. It just simply means that for something that is the scarcest asset that there is, and one of the most valuable assets that there is, that you can own more than 99% of the world forever uh, by getting something that would cost you about $15,000 today. That's pretty amazing, you know, and especially because, you know, somebody has asked me, what do I think a Bitcoin will buy in 20 years? I think it'll buy you a million dollar house today. So um, that's just a complete and total assumption on my part. That's just a prediction. That's about what I see it by, you know, it, I can't put a price on that because I don't know what the price of that will be in 20 years. What I can tell you is that think of a house that you would buy for a million dollars today. I think one Bitcoin will maybe get you that in 20 years. And the good thing about that is it would cost you, what, 45000 today. So is there another way that you could put $45,000 under your pillow tonight or in, in 20 years it's going to be worth something you know, much larger? Not really, right? If you put cash under your pillow or under your bed, uh, the next day it's worth less. And every day after that will be worth less. And if you store that $40,000 for 20 years, I'm not sure what $40,000 will buy you then, but it will certainly be less than it can return you today so it's not how many smart. possible divisions did you calculate how many divisions sorry how many what how many divisions can be made out of existing bitcoin how many times can it be parceled down in other Wait. words how many how many segments could be made oh a ton because you got eight decimal points eight, eight points after the decimal to the right uh what i was just saying is because you can take any number and you know divide it you know, 21 million divided by one bitcoin or 21 million divided by 0 0.00001 bitcoin but the number the magic number that kind of works out perfectly is 0 0.25 and i think it's more accurate probably 0 0.26 but it's right in there that that one you can divide out and then you get 84 million segments of 0 0.25 and the reason that's important is you're trying to find the amount of segments that would put you in to the top one percent by owning one of those so basically, if you're one of the 84 million people or wallets or whatever you want to call that, it could be companies, whatever. Uh, if you're one of those 84 million, then you are statistically, you own more than 99% of the world. Now, granted, somebody could say, well, Jaron, some people in the world are four years old and eight years old. You're absolutely right. And they may not be able to get Bitcoin today, but the in 10, 20 years, they will be able to. They will join the population that can get Bitcoin. So that number, as the population goes up, uh, that's what's crazy about that 0 0.25 numbers. It doesn't matter, even though we're counting all future people, doesn't matter how many people were born, doesn't matter if we get an influx from, uh, you know, the Sirius star system or they send some aliens and we, you know, double the population tomorrow and it's all of a sudden 15 billion, you still own more than 99% of the world by just owning that 0 0.25. So this is the kind of thing that we're not used to being able to figure out because with money, we never know how much is out there. They constantly print it. It's, a, it's based on debt. We all know you can't go to the, Bank of, if everybody in your town tried to go to Bank of America right now and collect the money that you have on the account, they only have 10% on hand. So, you know, 90% of that money is in, you know, in the ether. It's uh, in the Internet system and it's not real money. With Bitcoin, it's nothing like that. They are actual 20. And actually, there's only 18.5 right now. So it's even less you'd have to own. 
21, the 21 millionth coin won't be uh, released until we're all dead. So in 2140. So we actually won't even ever see 21 million coins. Is that the so those, uh, is that the mining thing, Jaron? Like, is are people still doing that? Because I remember that was a big thing about seven eight years ago. Yeah, at the time when Bitcoin started, it was very easy to mine from your own computer or from mine from a fairly good uh, GPU. But as time went on, people figured out that the faster and faster your computer was, the more transactions you would pick up, the more money you would make, the more chance you would have of mining the last block or the last transaction in a block, which gives you the block reward. It's kind of like a lottery. And so computers kept getting faster and faster. They started building these uh, ASIC units, which are specifically for mining Bitcoin. And so since they've been building those and people have been buying those, your computer is now pretty obsolete at mining. Not pretty, it is obsolete at mining Bitcoin, meaning that even if you tried to hook it up, there's so many faster, you can call them supercomputers, they're just simply GPUs that can you know, fly and, and you know, basically do 4 billion hashes per second. So those, those kind of machines will always beat you to the punch. They will always grab the transactions first. They will always have a huge advantage over you. And so it's no longer uh, financially feasible or even really honest. Sounds like robber barons there, Jaren. It's kind of like the guys who owned the uh, railroads. No one else was a contender for what was up for grabs. So basically yeah. what you're pointing out here is it's no different. But I would ask a simple question. Mm -hmm. um, the only way a cryptocurrency um can fulfill the hopes and dreams is first of all to never come under regulation that means the people at any hub that touch it control it purvey it anything uh it cannot come under monetary regulation of any kind um but the problem with bitcoin um is you don't know how it came to be i think it's something like and you can correct me if i'm wrong i think 15 percent of the code has been seen does that ring a bell? A Bitcoin? Yeah. Only the original construction code that you named the, the fake man, the right. fake Japanese guy who doesn't exist, that supposedly made it, that initial code generation, I think the source code, 15% of it, is known. Um, nobody knows who created it or how it got here. Um, but here's a litany of problems. For all intents and purposes, we've all been using Bitcoin for a long time. Every time we take out a piece of plastic and we buy something, and at no time does a coin or a bill touch us or leave us, uh, we've basically engaged in a crypto transaction with a credit card or a debit card or whatever. It's a similar thing going on there. Um, but the real problem here is in the same way that right now, uh, as I run Crow 777, the banks have been given permission to turn down any transaction. At the same time, we're told the central banks pumping up the digital dollar to become crypto. Um, I would ask one simple question. Is it possible that the central banks didn't understand that crypto was coming? Um, it may have been, uh, they may have not known the strength of it, but I think that they would have had to know, and I still think that they know. One thing, just because you said a couple things, I'm pretty sure, and I'd have to do more research, that Bitcoin is 100% open source. I don't it think is open source, but I'm pretty reasonably sure that the original construction code has only been seen a very small percentage of it. So because everybody who deals with Bitcoin, right, so any other coin that's branched off or any coin that's been created or people like BitPay or these different companies that accept it and transact in it and people who build wallets around it, they would have to see the entire code in order to implement any part of it, I would assume. I don't really get... No, that's not exactly true. Do you remember the old 
Do you remember how when we used to use Java um, way back in the day, how you would compile a file? So all this script, open source script, is running all over the world and people are writing Java scripts. But back then there were like jar files. It was compiled file and no one could see what was in the compiled file, but they knew the rules um, to leverage off files. And that's a poor example. Um, but I was just looking at some of the details with some of my friends that are big into metals um, because they've been eyeing every kind of currency there is right now because nobody has any any confidence in fiat. And these guys believe the reset's coming in 21. No questions asked. They will swear to you that the reset's coming in 21 and that part of that may be the devaluation of fiat. But my point here is uh, I wouldn't bet on it, but I am pretty reasonably sure that the original source code, a very small percentage of it is known and even if I was off by a factor in some direction there, nobody knows who made it. And that's problematic. Yes, I would agree with you. I do think yeah, we'll have to look into that because everything I know says that it's completely open code. You'd be able to find and look at it yourself. As far as the, uh, in order to find something that we could combat, you said it would have to be no regulation. Well, we number one, that's going to be impossible in this country. Uh, there'll never be a way. Well, let me explain what I mean by that that right now bitcoin is regulated whether people admit that or not but it's regulated yeah it's regulated because you have to in order to buy it or cash out what they call on and off ramps you have to do kyc which means they know exactly who you are and everything about you just like if you went to open an account at bank of america they're going to ask for all your ids and know exactly who you are same thing with bitcoin is that so they can tax you jaron well, yeah, they're going to tax capital gains if you, you know, buy on a on an exchange. Let's say you buy Bitcoin, it's ten thousand, and at the end of uh, four years, you cash out, and it's a hundred thousand. Well, immediately that company is going to generate a report to the IRS that says you made capital gains of ninety thousand. Now, is that a big deal or not? Depends on who you're talking to, because some people would say, well, I just made ninety thousand. I really don't mind paying the government a little bit of money. Uh, others of us that believe that's you know theft. I might have a different issue with well, that. It, it shows control, though. See, Bitcoin's bragging that it's decentralized and all these things. Well, but let me, what, you, what you pointed out was the regulation exists, and that makes well, it no different. The, well, here's the problem with that. The reason the regulation exists is because people have been convinced that the only money that there is is dollars. So what I mean by that is in order to buy Bitcoin right now, you have to give them money. You have to give them the dollars that they've created. And if you want to get cash out Bitcoin, you have to go and collect dollars that they've created, right? So this is the problem with Bitcoin right now. Now, just like when you hand me a $100 bill, Crow, if you gave me a $100 bill, I don't think to myself, oh, where do I go get $100 for this? I immediately recognize that the $100 bill itself is money. It is money. Bitcoin works the same way. If you send me Bitcoin and I recognize that you've sent me money, then I don't need to think about the next step of, oh, how do I go cash this out? How do I get money for my money? The problem is, is that right now, if I tried to pay my rent with Bitcoin, and I do. I tell my landlord every every month, hey, start accepting Bitcoin. And he always tells me, oh, there's one other guy that says the same thing. And you know, he says, maybe eventually. So right now, that's why there's that issue, is that if I want to pay for my rent, I can't because he won't accept Bitcoin. So I have to then think, how do I go get money for this? And that's what they've regulated. Where this will all fall through, where this will all blow up in their faces, is if people ever start using it as money without the idea of, oh, there's dollars. I need to get dollars for this. I need to pay for this in dollars. Just like we work. If you go do you know you go do some work throughout the day, we know we get paid in money. Well, just change that and imagine that you go work and you get paid in Bitcoin. It is the money, and then you spend the money, and you send the money, 
and it works like that. At that point, there is no regulation, and there can never be. So what they're what they've done is convince well, that, people that that's not a wholly true either, because the regulation exists outside the currency that's printed that we call fiat. For the purveyors of Bitcoin and other places, they have to re they have to register. That was one of the big. There's a big show on one of the PBSs about Bitcoin and about all the people who beefed up their machines to go mine for it mm -hmm. uh, and everything that happened, all the people that got ruined because it is so volatile. Um, people just lost their asses. Uh, so a few people made out very well, but what they did is they put it right into fiat, didn't they? Um, my point being is that it is regulated. They had to go do all the applications was it New York or San Francisco? I forget. They had to go do, is it the FCC? Am I thinking of the right place? I don't even recall because I wasn't paying it's that close attention. FinCEN, right, or something like that. Yeah, so they all had to register with that. Meanwhile, they took out one of the big early purveyors, which was a card, uh, a play card, like a Harry Potter play card. Uh, I can't remember the names of these places because I wasn't paying that attention. But they took that guy out. Uh, and he was the biggest purveyor at one point in the center of the whole bit, Bitcoin upheaval. But the other thing is, is for Bitcoin to ever work, it has to go unregulated. It has to truly be the idea of decentralized peer-to-peer, -peer, um, where it's really just not really stoppable. But more than anything, well, well, everybody... Let's, let's, just, let's comment on that real quick. So if it has to be unregulated, then... Right. In order to be unregulated, it would have to have nothing to do with our monetary system, correct? Because you you can't have people buying things with money or collecting money in this country without f registering as a money transmitting business. And at that point, it is regulated. So what I'm saying is, yes, the companies have had to regulate, have had to sign up right. and get permission and do all those things. But that's because they're trying to meet, they're trying to marry the two, Bitcoin and the and the dollar. They're trying to let you buy Bitcoin with the dollar and they're trying to give you dollars for the Bitcoin. What I'm saying is that doesn't need to be a part of the system. It is right now, but it won't be in five or 10 years. This is what I'm saying is that it's. See, there, there's there's another aspect to this that I, I wasn't going to bring up. But, you know, we did a white paper, the you know, what was it, three, four weeks ago on the digital dollar that the central bank's going to be behind. Absolutely. Um, couple of the things put in there, uh, the idea that you can't build a savings account easily, the idea that you can't transfer wealth to your children. These are the ideas being built into that type of crypto. Okay, but so here's, here's the other problem. You stated there's so much crypto in the world, right? So the amount of crypto, let's say it caught on like holy hell wildfire tomorrow and every person in every country wanted in on Bitcoin tomorrow. So everybody's going to start using it. It's going to become more popular. Now you can use Bitcoin to buy a Coke at 7-Eleven because it's so popular and everyone's using it. Mm -hmm. The central bank could knock that over in a day by simply creating a competing currency and flooding the market with it. Or for that matter, playing the Bill Gates game, um, just handing out your product for free um until you establish and then you know doing the flip switch sure. like microsoft did but that the, would the, pro the problem with with all digital things in our world is one thing i don't disagree with you we're going there i don't unless there's an act of god we're in fact going there um everything will be digital all the way if they can get it there to ready player one all the way if they can get it there but it's all fugazi it's all make-believe. There's no intrinsic value in any of it. And so as human beings, we seek things that have intrinsic value. Like I got to climb that mountain and I, I need a pair of shoes to protect my feet. I'm at the top of that mountain. 
I need a coat because it has intrinsic value. At the top of that mountain, I've got to buy food, so I've got to have something of intrinsic value to barter for the food, whether it be money or my knife or whatever it may be. And that's the other problem. So what does intrinsic value mean? What is your definition of that word? It exists. You can hold it in your hand, and I don't have to argue with another human being that there's value there. Everybody automatically on the face of it recognizes there's worth, like a knife. Everybody understands what a knife is for. We don't argue whether it has a place in the world. Everybody knows if you got a knife, you can make things, you can cut things, you can eat a steak with it. You can do any number of things with a knife. Intrinsic value, gold or silver, for that matter. Um, nobody so has... Nobody has to be. Right. It's not trust. No, it's it's not trust at all because we're all using fiat right now that has zero intrinsic value. Oh, okay. And I thought you were saying money had. You thought you said money was included in your intrinsic value. So that's why I was confused. No, fiat currency has no intrinsic value. It's just okay. an IOU that we know we can. There's so much trust in it that we know my IOU can be handed to you and you'll hand it to someone else. So nobody cares that right. it can't be cashed in for actual intrinsic value. Right. And you see, but this is all part of the game in 70, what the hell is it, Jason, two, three, whenever the hell it was, they finally fully pulled us off the gold standard. 73, yeah. They had this day in mind. You see, because a world that is trading for intrinsic value still has a worth that can't be, per se, completely fugazied out. Um, there's nothing digital that will escape that. It can't be done. There is no intrinsic value. You can be convinced there's intrinsic value, but on the face of it, if you were left out in the wilderness with a freaking PC, you would recognize the intrinsic value real quick. There is none. It's an imaginary bunch of electrons on the head of a pin. In other words, it is the establishment of living in a fantasy-based existence where we fake like things exist that really don't. Well, one of the big things I want to tie this into eventually is the transhumanism thing, because I have very mixed feelings on it. I really like it in some regards, and I see a whole lot of dangers on the other side of it, which is why Let I want to have this discussion. Let me and just I, talk to a couple things on, on real quick that Crow said, because um, so I'd like to get some questions in, too. As well, so anyway, I, I just yeah, want to yeah, you know, keep addressing different things that I think have been handled by Bitcoin. But you said that, you know, whatever the coin is that the government comes out with, which I totally agree with, they will come out with one soon. You said some of the things that have been written into that is that there can be no savings, that it can be no passing on to your children, all these things. Right. That's uh, their plan. Want... Yeah. Correct. OK, so what I'm with Bitcoin, all those things are possible as of today. I can create a wallet that nobody in the world will ever know that I that I own, that it even exists. And I can put money in there and I can store that for my son, my grandson, whoever I want. And nobody can ever know it's impossible to know that I own that. So the, it's just like a Swiss bank account as well. I mean, these are things that the government a long time ago got rid of. The idea that you can set up an offshore a bank account that's untrackable. Bitcoin allows that. So there's some things that... Um, now, Bitcoin, the, the you know, one of the things that's a little iffy about it is that it is, since it's so uh, open source, not open source, since it's so transparent, uh, a lot of transactions uh, or every transaction basically shows up on the blockchain. And if people don't know how to use it correctly, somebody can potentially see into your finances, right? So there is other coins that have come out like Monero and things like that that are privacy focused where uh, nobody would ever be able to do that. But just going back to what I was saying about there's so many things set up in Bitcoin that once you understand how it works, it can't possibly be 
from some sort of a government it, agency. It's, it's it's not really about that though, Jaron. Um, it is open source. Uh, there's one glaring problem that no one's going to answer. The problem is nobody knows who the hell created it. That problem is so freaking glaring that I can't overstate it. To have a car in the world, you know who made the car. You know what the color of the car is. You know how many doors it is, how many horsepower. It's legit. Someone made a car. Oh, there's the dude that made the car. What we have here is a whole new level of thing of technology, which is going to be in the basically the currency realm. If we want to give it a label, it's going to act as some form of money. Nobody knows who did it. And there was a lie out there floated with a name of a man who doesn't exist, who is supposedly Japanese. And I will restate um, to well, the best of my knowledge, no one has seen the full source code. And I would ask another question. What allows Bitcoin to run? Is there a central server that's the magical Bitcoin central server? No. 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 So how does Bitcoin run? It's run like BitTorrent. Is you start out with one computer and then you right. have somebody else who joins and now there's two. So now there's hundreds of millions of computers running. You can you to knock out the system, you'd have to knock out every single computer. Well, you I don't really think it's it's like the idea of peer to peer. I don't think it could really be done unless the whole internet came down. Um, the point is it would be so simple for someone with resources to contend and overtake Bitcoin. For one thing, there's no security there. What's it take? You just said a new Bitcoin will be added in, what did you say, 40 years? No, well, ten. Uh, I forgot what it is right now. I think two and a half Bitcoin are released every 10 minutes. I think that's where they're at right now. So I what would. what would happen if the central bank decided that every American citizen, now that we're going to crypto, since you were born in this country, if you can prove you're born in this country, it's like the Saudi thing. You get oil dividends. So they hand everyone 200,000 digital dollars for free. Okay. Well, okay. prices and everything. Prices and so with the that, the infrastructure to get all this free money that's being handed out from the central bank, the infrastructure starts to build and everybody's in on it. I don't I have no idea what percentage of Americans are actually holding and using Bitcoin regularly, but I'm guessing it's not that big a percentage. Um, it would not be easy to flood it out in that way either. But that's not really the problem. The problem is nobody know who who made it. As far as I know, the original source code has never been fully divulged. And we know there was a lie proffered about a make believe Japanese dude who made it. Well, it wasn't a lie. It's a pseudonym, so it's done on purpose. And they... no, at first, if you remember, they were acting like that was a dude, and well, then they had to then they had to come out and say, "Well, it wasn't a dude. It was this other sneaky hacker thing. Nothing going on here." Right, and again, it could be a group of people. We don't know who it was, but you can see the paper. You can see the. That's what I'm confused about. And I can you find one link or any kind of a reference to 15 percent of the code? Because that doesn't make any sense then the whole thing is out the window. If you've only seen 15% of the code, you wouldn't know. Maybe it's coded. That well, the there has to be some form of security. If it's completely open source, someone will figure out how to hack it and they'll just it's put not. a million. It's bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's impossible to hack. This is what, this is why, you know, when I, this is what I struggle with is I try and do videos and explain to people that once you understand that it's only done on simple mathematics and impossibilities of anybody guess, it's an open system, meaning you're right. Everybody can see the code and they know what the code is. That's why people try and hack wallets is because they, the code they is can out. see the code that allows it to operate. There is. But there, that is the only the code that allows it to operate. And then there's a code. So what you're saying when you say 15 percent, then you're saying, oh, well, somebody could have coded that on January 9th, uh, 2050 to transfer all Bitcoin from every wallet into this new person's wallet. Well, that would be possible if there was if the code wasn't open. Uh, 
Yeah, I guess I, I guess I see where you're going. That's not actually what I'm insinuating. What I'm insinuating thing is things that are above board or above board and you know what you need to know about them. And when it comes to computer code, that's the worst of all because people who know what's going on still get screwed over all the time because code is code. Um, but I'll try to find it and I'll mail it to you. I was talking with guys in the gold and silver markets um, who are eyeing the idea of crypto. Um, they won't touch fiat currency anymore. They accurately predicted that it would die in 2020 and they are stating vehemently whether or not that ends up being true that the reset will come in 21 um, but they're all looking at it and we were looking at all these things Jason knows who I'm talking about yeah um, the guy's super well connected um, and I don't know as much about it as I would uh, other than to know that the digital world is the downfall of humanity because it's fake because it's not a tree, because it's not an apple, because it's not your girlfriend, because it's not that real child that you had. It's not that living dog that you trained. It's not that house that you built with your own hands. It's imaginary. It's electrons on the head of a pin. So what is the what is the uh, intrinsic value of gold then? If I have a gold coin, tell me what's different about gold than what you see with Bitcoin. Because with gold, uh, there's well, not one a thing. The first obvious thing is Bitcoin doesn't exist. Well, it does exist. It exists no, it doesn't exist. Computer. Show it to me. Hand me, a, hand me a Bitcoin, would you? That's not what Bitcoin is. It's a file, right? It's an so idea. It's an electron balanced on the head of a pin. It doesn't exist. It's a metaphor for reality. I, I don't really know what, what you mean by that. If there's only 21 million of a certain file and you pass it out to a bunch of people and everybody has that file, are you saying the file is imaginary or is the file real? The file is real as long as you have a computer to view it. When the okay. computer goes away, the existence of the file is proven as no longer here. Sure, that's true. So if every computer disappeared, then Bitcoin would disappear. I don't disagree with that. As far as saying... Well, it's, it, it's already disappeared. It's just been rendered in a way with characters that aren't even the Bitcoin itself. You're looking at a five that is not the Bitcoin. It's a representation correct. of the supposed worth of the Bitcoin. So even the value is a metaphor for the thing that doesn't exist. Well, right, here, here's, no, here's a fair I, statement we can make about it, though. Anything has value if people accept it as having value. That could be a maple leaf, a pebble from right. a certain beach, doesn't matter. So if we all agreed, if we all got together and agreed, hey, we're going to make these 21 million files. And the, and the crazy thing about files is when a file is duplicated, it's always perfect. Or, you, you know, usually, I mean, if you make a text file and I send it to you and you send it to Crow and he sends it to somebody, the file doesn't change. It is the same file. And if we decided, hey, these files have this certain value, um, then we could transact with them. Now, other people aren't going to want to get involved because they're not going to assign the same value to it that we may have from the start. With Bitcoin, it started out with no value. That's the thing. For the first year, and this is why this Satoshi guy or whoever that is has a million coins sitting in wallets that will never be touched, is because in the first year, all these things had, had to happen without it being worth anything. So, so wait a minute. You just said the Satoshi guy has a million coins in a wallet, and we know Satoshi doesn't exist? Well, it's multiple wallets, yes, but he has about a million. So coins. who owns the multiple wallets? Nobody knows. It's That's another glaring problem. Well, Jaron, what well, does that mean? You mean that there are whole Bitcoins that haven't been released yet, like, but they've been mined mm -hmm. and they're being held? Like, what, what does that actually mean? So Bitcoin is released at a certain rate, all coded. You can look at the code. You can see the rate that they get released. We're at, right now we're at 2.5 Bitcoins released every 10 minutes. Who and does the release or how is the release achieved? It's coded. 
it's all it's all coded. So, so it's code triggered release written yeah. into the initial. Okay, correct. So every ten, every four years they have what's called a halvening, which means at that mark, which we just had the last one in March of 20, 2020, I'm sorry, in May, um, when that halvening happened, it was it was releasing five Bitcoin every ten minutes. Now at the halvening of twenty twenty in May, it went down to two point five every ten minutes. Now in four years from now in twenty twenty four, or in four years from then. Uh, it's going to go down to, you know, whatever half of you know, 1.25 Bitcoins every 10 minutes. And it will keep doing that happening all the way until 2140 when it will release the last little bit of the total of 21 million. So basically you started it out. They said 21 million. We, at the beginning, it was releasing a ton, right? Because it's been happening every four years. So in but, 2009. But nobody knows the server or the computer or the iPad or the iPod or Nobody knows where the wallet sits that's holding those millions of coins? Where the wallet sits? No. No, because the wallet is just an address. It doesn't actually sit anywhere. It's, Let me rephrase that. Okay. Is it assumed that a single individual somewhere in the world controls that? It is assumed that those coins will never be released. They are lost. That is the assumption right now in the, in the community because they've never been touched. So what, what happened is, is to get this started, imagine we were going to get this started, and it was just between me and you, Crow. I set up my computer, you set up yours, and I said, hey, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make this code that's going to release these coins at a certain rate, and you're going to collect them, and then we're going to trade back and forth and see if it works. So we, we do that, and it trades back and forth. And since this thing is releasing coins at a certain rate, and somebody needs to mine the transactions, somebody else's computer, one of their friends, said, I'll be the miner, and they kind of played this little game between them. So for the first year, you had basically coins being released to these guys' wallets, the ones who owned it from the beginning or whoever started it. And then after it got going and people started picking it up, they started putting it in forums and cryptography forums and telling people about it. And people looked at the code and said, this is brilliant. Oh, I'll be a miner, even though nothing had any value. And then after time, so say by 2010 or whatever, all of a sudden people started assigning value to it, meaning that the coins that had already been released, somebody said, hey, I'm willing to give you a penny for one of those. All right, here you go. Hey, I'm willing to give you 10 cents for one of those. Okay, here you go. So they started to trade them and the value goes up as people see the value of the system that's running. That is the value behind Bitcoin is it is a the the code behind it. The system that's running tells you exactly when these coins are going to be released, exactly how you can mine the transactions and how every transaction can go into a ledger and it's public and it can never be altered and it can never be changed. There is nobody who can attack. There's something called a 51% attack. It's the only possible way that Bitcoin could be uh, attacked. In order to do that, what it means is that 51% of the miners would need to join together, all get together and say, hey, let's do it this way instead. Let's change by doing this, or let's make all the transactions go to us instead of everybody else. The problem with anybody ever doing that is it would immediately destroy the value. Well, the miners are the ones making money from mining transactions. So why would they get together all of them? Remember, 51%, there's miners in every country, there's millions of miners why would they half of them decide let's get together and destroy the value they've been collecting bitcoin for 10 years why would they want to now destroy their own value so this is the protection of the system this is the trust of the system well let me let me let me put it to you this way um and from my point of view and i think you you've gleaned my point of view as we've been going here um when we get to crypto it will be the biggest lot when crypto owned when we do almost all our transactions in this world using crypto humanity will have lost more freedom than at any other time that i'm aware of 
that's what I predict. But let me ask you this question. Well, I would agree with you. If it's if it's any kind of a centralized system, absolutely. If anything this government puts out. How, how can it not be? There's You'll never convince me that the central bank was so freaking dimwitted they couldn't possibly understand there was this new digital, you know. <laughs> it's not that. It's that they've tried since 1970 to create digital money and they've never been able to because it's it's an impossible it was at the time an impossible task nobody could come up with a way how do you make it not counterfeitable thing about files just like i talked about earlier sending a file between all of us the thing about a file is anybody can grab it now everybody knows though right (laughs) could i interject something here yeah real quick hold hold on let let me let me ask my question real quick so jaron does it make a difference in our world if i tell you that the world is spinning and that space is a vacuum. Does it make any damn difference if you choose to take that point of view? I think so, yeah. Why? Because of the kind of person it creates. Well, what you're basically pointing out is intrinsic value, which is based on truth. The reason it matters is because it's a lie, and it's a provable lie, which means we're existing in a fantasy-based reality, which means that every decision, every conversation, every thought, based on that inaccuracy is worthless. It has no intrinsic value, even if people think it does, because it's not true. So are you and saying- so that argument that I've just laid in front of you is the exact same thing you asked me when what was the difference between the intrinsic value of Bitcoin and gold is the same argument as the world is spinning or the world is flat. I don't know what you're saying. It's, what's it's saying, identical. But- Okay, but how is how is Bitcoin a lie? That's where I'm confused still. So to explain to me how but, if because it doesn't exist. The code exists. Can right. I, can can I hand me that questions? code? <laughs> I, sure, I, I, I think this is this is gonna be whether you want to use it or not. And I, I just I don't think there's gonna be any resolution here. But let's give Wayne and Baldini a chance to say something. We've been on for an hour and they haven't been able to say a peep yet. Sorry, that's no, all right. I just, but I have, I have questions, and I mean, I think um, I, I'm listening to to both sides, and I think I'm following along. I do have some questions, um, and uh, I'll ask this to Jaron. Perhaps you can um, better explain explain this to me. Um, the difference. So we have a variety now. Bitcoin, of course, is not the only cryptocurrency that's currently available. We have um, it was one of the first, obviously. But there's like Litecoin, Namecoin, Peercoin, Dogecoin that um, Elon's into now, as well as the the major thing, Primecoin, Ripple, <laughs> whatever. Or whatever, right? There's dozens of them. Uh, most of them seem to be um, compiled in C++ or C Sharp using script or SHA or, um, uh, you know, one of these um, hash uh, algorithms um, as a security device. So what's the intrinsic difference um, between these different um, between these different cryptocurrencies? Just that people who were able to look at the, the Bitcoin code said that they would do different things with it. They would change certain. So parts. those basically based on the same code. They just kind of repurposed yeah. them and had different features to them. Is that is that my is that what I'm getting? Correct. Yeah. Basically, uh, nobody before Bitcoin had ever come up with uh, a way to stop double spending, a way to stop uh, counterfeiting. There was nobody had ever created a digital currency. They had tried from the okay. 70s. When so so all out. the others then are basically it's kind of a knockoff, but um, they all kind of work the same, but with different features. Is that 
Yeah, I, would, yeah, I wouldn't say they work the same. Some are proof of work, some are proof of stake. There's different ways okay. of mining. There's also uh, different amounts, right? So Bitcoin has 21 million. Mm -hmm. Things like Ethereum have no cap, meaning that at any time somebody could add coins to that system. Right. There's, so a quantitative easing, easing in a digital sense then. Correct. Okay. All right. So and, and part of what uh, makes, if I got this right, part of what makes uh, Bitcoin um, at least attractive is that it does have a cap on it. There's a limited there's supposed to be anyway a limited number that will ever be and that gives them at least some um, perceived value there is that that correct yep yeah 21 okay. million cap which is completely opposite of what the dollar is which if you read the white paper was the sure. intent mm -hmm. yeah, right okay i got that part um okay so when when um when you were talking about the beginning whenever um you were talking about how you were given uh, Bitcoin to write these uh, articles. Um, it reminded me very much, very much about um, well, four hundred one k, right? You're investing in something, and um, the better I idea, right, is to put it away and forget that it's there, right? Those are should be long term investments, right? That you're not, um, you Correct. know, day, unless you're into day trading or arbitrage or something like that. Um, it's the the best way to manage that is to figure out your portfolio, um, go long. Right. Um, mm -hmm. You can go more volatile when you're younger, but especially as you get older, you want something a little bit, you know, a little bit more stable. Um, but um, it seems to me like that's pretty much the story that you're telling. Right. It's, it's sort of like if I would just flip that story and used 401k as a Bitcoin, it's like, hey, I, I worked for a company that gave me stock options. Um, it split and I went, fuck, I'm taking the money. Right. <laughs> I mean, pretty, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. At okay. the time I saw, I saw it as a different thing than it is than I sure. see it now. Yeah, yeah, back yeah, yeah, sure. You could send, you could send for pennies. There was like a penny t transaction fee. Today's the transaction fees are much higher. So back then I saw it as something where, hey, people can make YouTube videos and everybody who watches the video can donate a penny, a penny, a penny, and we all could do that from our wallets and it wouldn't cost anybody anything. Well, those things aren't possible with Bitcoin today. So some things have changed from the way I looked at it there then versus now. Then I saw it as like a money system. Uh, now I see it more as a store of a hold of value. Okay. Um, all right. So yeah, this is, um, again, and I think, um, some of this has to do, well, the, I guess my, my view on this is, uh, would be, um, again, some, from the story that you told and, and from what I gather here, it, it is, um, a bit like, um, you know, uh, stocks, right. Um, uh, something like that. And in, in other words, um, the best, um, scenario or the best plan, uh, at least from what I hear you tell, is to buy and hold, <laughs> right? Not try to, you know, trade them because it's going to, uh, the idea is that it, it increases in value over time uh, and that you want to hang on to that, right? Correct. Yep. Okay. It's right, like yeah. a stock, but you're buying stock in the system. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. But it has a certain level of volatility. And um, as I think what Crow is part of trying, uh, kind of pointing out there is that any any system like that, whether it's a, a stock, for example, it has um, the stock has value, not only in the uh, intrinsic value or the um, asset value of the company, but most of it has to do with um, the perceived value, right? Uh, well, how much you can leverage a brand name, whether um, there's it really comes down to trust, right? I mean, there's certainly the trust is in fiat currency. The, the trust is that if I take a dollar down to 7-Eleven and I want to buy a ding dong, they'll give it to me, provided I have enough of those dollars, right? I mean, ultimately, I think everything comes down to trust, whether we have trust in, this, in that thing or not. Um, for example, I mean, uh, let's go back to the 401k idea. <clears throat> My kids are close to 30 now. Um, I would not um, advise either of them not to invest in 401k, right? They're, they're young and it's a good idea uh, to do that. At, at my age, at 54, and for um, having changed jobs numerous times and um, leaving corporate. Have them save money, save dollars? 
no, investing in 401k, if you have a matching option at a job, right, and they give you 401k option, um, take right. it, right? It's free money, but it's still volatile, right? It's still, it's still based in stocks. It's not, a, it's not a, it's not an object, right? I mean, and we can see that even dollars have, it's not an object. So a dollar today is not the same as it was even in 2000, or certainly not in the 1970s. It's a perceived value. Uh, but again, I would never um, advise my kids n not to do something like that. I guess what I'm saying is, you know, for me at my age, because having had to cash out of the 401k for various reasons at different times, um, not be something uh, the way I perceive things now, like I'm not um, interested in, um, I don't know, setting up a, uh, you know, a financial, <laughs> uh, you know, empire. Uh, my investment at this point is um, in relationships, right? That's more, that's a more value to me. Uh, but I think um, one of the things that I see and certainly the conversation that, uh, that I see you and, and Crow having, right, is that uh, I think where Crow is coming from is that uh, his value is in the natural world and that anything that um, is not a physical, tangible thing has less value to him uh, and so that's his perception it has less value, right? There's no intrinsic value you can't hold it in his hand. And I mean, certainly um, anybody who's worked in the um, recording industry uh, since digital recording would say, you know, in, in terms of does something digital exist? Well, we always say that if it's not in at least three places, it doesn't truly exist because there's nobody I know in this industry who hasn't lost recordings or have them go south yeah, right? somewhere. It's it's happened to everyone at some point or another. Mm, they, they can print you the source code and give you some paper. There you go. And does it um, exist? Yeah, Pro Tools would be happy to um, give you a new 888 or whatever. I, I want to I ask you so, a question I don't know, though, Baldini. What do you attribute? What do you attribute the volatility to, Jaron? Why is it so volatile? I mean, right now, my perception is, is that clever people, some of them are about to get very rich on Bitcoin. I suspect that a lot of people are going to go broke that aren't so clever. And I truly suspect that it's it, it's about to be manipulated, um, which the Bitcoin people will tell you is not possible. But what what do you attribute the volatility? When, when Bitcoin people tell you it's not possible and you're just making the claim that it can be. So what would be your evidence of that? It, you haven't read the code. It's impossible that you just said people who buy it now will go broke. How is that possible? How would somebody go broke? Because they'll they'll do what you're saying and they'll invest a lot of money in a thing that's volatile. Okay, so volatile to me means that you could, you know, either lose or, or gain, you know, at any time it can go up or down. Okay, so I get what you're saying there. But if you look at it, like I just said, not as a what's going to happen next week or next month. If just like Baldini talked about going in and paying with a dollar and paying with $10 or whatever. The problem with $10 is that in the future, a year from now, the $10 will be worth less. It's a guarantee. It's happened throughout all of history. There's no way it's going to do the opposite. With Bitcoin, the opposite is true. A year from now, Bitcoin will be worth more than it is today. Now, if you're talking about a month from today. That's speculative a little bit. Well, it's never. Okay, well, if it's, I mean, yeah, it's based on past experience. I get it. Um, uh, I have to but, interject. But, what is the vol but wait a minute. What is the volatility, Jaron? What causes the volatility? Okay, so the price of Bitcoin, the price that we see today, right, whatever it is, 44,582, <clears throat> the way that they get that price is that's the lowest price that somebody's willing to sell for right now. That's basically how you get the price. So it means, imagine that right now I went to some, I could go to an exchange and I could put a sell order for $100,000 on, okay? So my name, my little address, my Bitcoins would be there. They'd be ready for somebody to buy for 100000 Now, again, nobody's going to buy that right now because there's people that are on the exchange for lower amounts than me, going all the way down into whatever the price is right now, 44000 So what the market, what you're saying is what the market will bear. It's true what the market will bear. Correct. So that's the price of Bitcoin. So why is it so volatile? It, because let's say tomorrow the U.S. government came out and said, that's it, Bitcoin's illegal. 
Well, immediately the price is going to drop by half. The reason for that is because everybody who's holding that right now, like let's say for instance, I just said I would put up my my sell order for a hundred thousand. Maybe I'm a very timid, nervous person about the government. So the second they say it's illegal, I'm going to change my sell order to twenty thousand because I just want to get out. I just want money for it, and that would drop the price to twenty thousand. So it just made my argument, by the way, with well, that example. Um, but go ahead, guys. If I can, real quick, I just I, um, I hate to do this. Um, I'm not feeling well, so I'd like to like, throw out a couple of things, and I'm gonna have to bail because <clears throat> I'm not not feeling well. Um, but, uh, I think that, you know, here, here's, would be my take on kind of the whole thing, right? Is that, um, I would never, um, uh, it's not ne never my position to tell anybody what to do or not to do. And I think if there's an opportunity for people to make money and that's what they want to do, um, in invest it. And, I mean, um, choose wisely and do what you want to do. Uh, I think for, for many people who do not have trust in the system, I think part of the thing, I think the point's being made is that anything that's not a tangible, not tangible physical thing um, is based on um, perceived, perceived value and trust in the system. And if the system changes, I mean, so if, if I invest in Bitcoin and I got $2 million and then tomorrow everything changes and um, well, the power goes out, right? Or um, the the government changes and so, all of a sudden everything's crazy. Um, that the value, everything changes, right? The lay of the land is different. And so for me, I'm not I'm not into investing in this system anymore, right? I'm trying to get as much out of the system okay, as so I can power goes and, out, and, with, and withdraw. What are you going to do? And so it's... I'm not trying to, again, make an argument for, for against. I'm saying from, from my perspective, right, I'm just I see that, that I... everything, everything is, is um, everything that's not physical. That includes all money. Okay, uh, or stocks or bonds. Fun. You're saying things about Bitcoin, but then you're not remembering that the same would be true for money. You just... No, I, I am absolutely. Okay. I'm saying no. I'm I'm saying the same is true for all of it, right? Okay. So it's right. not just Bitcoin. It's not just cryptocurrency. It's not any. Of, I mean, I'm just saying the same as stocks, right? Um, okay. that, that's my point is that anything that's not physically tangible has the um, possibility right. of going away. Right. And so and whether that is stamp, I have a stamp collection, right? It's perceived value. It could burn um, in anything. Right. So that, right. that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm all I'm saying is from my perspective, Bitcoin is not really that much different than stocks or bonds or or money. Right. Um, if you want to invest in that and that's where you want to put value, um, you know, uh, feel free. That's not going to me to say it. It's from though, from my perspective, what I see is valuable at this point, especially when I look at the world, is um, people and relationships. And that's where um, my focus is going to be from here on in. And everything that I have in terms of tangible, physical value assets, I'm going to throw it in those relationships and people and trying to make a sustainable way to live, um, hedging my bets against that, the fact that probably none of it is going to be the same way. Now, whether that's shit hits the fan or just different, um, my bet is that things are going to be substantially different. We've things seen change things change over the last five years and certainly the last 24 months in ways that over 54 years I haven't previously. Um, so my bet is that um, it, it will be very different. And um, my, my view is I'm not willing to invest in um, stocks or bonds or any financial currency that um, doesn't have, um, again, the value to me. And um, again, and this is just my view. I'm not dissing Bitcoin or, it, right? I'm just, to me, it's like, hey, it's a stock and it's a stock that's going up. So if you want to make money that way, um, good. But if the, but even if you get the money and then the money changes, then, right, I, I just, for me, I, I just, um, the, the as I get older, right, the more tangible, valuable assets, our, our relationships and um, 
I can't eat Bitcoin, <laughs> right? I need water and I need food and um, I want relationships. And so um, I guess that's that's my just encouragement for folks is to figure out what's of value to you and then um, and then invest heavily in whatever's of value to you. And, and so with that, people, I, with that, I have to. I do. Have, okay. I, I hate to do it and run, but I'm. I'm. I'm afraid I was going to throw up at any minute. I'm so sorry. I'm just. I'm not well. So, um, thanks so much for having me, Jared. It's good talking to you. Um, yeah. Sorry, we haven't got a chance to talk before. Um, love watching your shows and stuff. You're a bright guy, and hope we get a chance to talk again, guys. Um, I'm so sorry. I have to leave. Thanks, guys. Bye. Good night, buddy. All right. So yeah, I mean the the. He's saying a lot of good points, but the same thing is true for money that, you know, the same thing that the Internet could go down. And if you think Certainly. you're going to be able to get your money out of the bank, it's you're not wrong. the way it's right. <laughs> so, that you'd have a problem there. So, yeah, Bitcoin has the same problem. As uh, I was going to point out a thing, though, too, Jaron, um, even if it was completely the idea of peer to peer. All right. So nobody can unless they take everybody down, they're not taking it down. And it was truly operating in that way. I would say that 99.9% .9 of us get on the internet using an on-ramp called an ISP. Mm -hmm. That's been proven to be the downfall of anything digital. Right now, if I publish something that they're intent on censoring, and I'm on social media, easy cheesy, they censor me. When I pull it over to my site, and it's my private server, it's a whole other ballgame. Not so easy for them. So what they do is they don't come after me they threaten the ISP because they tell the ISP will take you offline if you allow this to continue. It's dangerous. It's whatever the hell they want to call it. And that, too, will be another problem of any digital currency, because to use it, you will have to get on the Internet. And as we go further into the digital age, pretty soon, I'm guessing before too long, you will need your driver's license, your passport to get online. You will have to be vaccine. known quantity. Um, yeah, it's it's a similar thing. You will have to prove your bona fides and you'll get on and you'll go look at your YouTube, but you will do so as your actual real self, as if it were a thumbprint. At that point, every transaction you ever make with any kind of digital currency will first be openly on the record for anyone who wants to go find out. Secondarily, if you're doing things that people don't appreciate, they can shut you down as easy as sneezing even if they have to do it through the ISP. And these are just some of the problems that I foresee. But when you were telling me why it's volatile, um, you said a very important thing. If the United States outlawed Bitcoin tomorrow, there would be a violent reaction. And this is the problem with anything that's regulated. And it is regulated. All the big players had to go get their licenses. If they did announce that it was illegal, which they wouldn't do, and I can give reasons why they wouldn't do that, but if they did, because remember, they do have it regulated, but they know who's cashing out and buying in. So why would they make something illegal? When you make something illegal, what does that do? It drives it underground. If you drive it underground, you no longer have the insight into it that you had before. But let's say they did do that. The price would drop to $20,000 tomorrow. And then everybody who has been watching Bitcoin and saw it go down to 20 would start buying, and it would drive the price right back up. So would it take a little while? Would it take a couple months till we uh, well, saw it start making some gains? Probably. And I think that the value would be increased. The value of things that are illegal are more than if they were legal. Just like if crack was free, I mean, if crack was legal, it would be cheaper to buy at grocery stores and to buy at your liquor store, but it's more expensive because it's illegal. And since it's illegal, people have to do shady things to get it. And when people have to do shady things to get it, that price transfers to the buyer, just like with anything else. So just like guns, guns, uh, if you, you know, are, are, 
would you know cheaper if they weren't regulated. The fact that they're regulated causes the price to go up. All these businesses have to have all these licenses. It, you know that kind of makes it um, more expensive with that. So with Bitcoin, it's the same kind of idea. And if they drove it underground, the price I think would rebound. I think it would be um, you know back where it was in a, in a matter of time. I still I, I agree. If they left it alone, I think you're absolutely right because it's being market driven per se. It's what the people want basically. It's it's reacting to what the market is about. Mm -hmm. True, true market-driven market. But here's the real problem: if we added up right now what percentage of world commerce is happening in Bitcoin, it'd be a pretty low percentage, right? Um, probably. Yeah, I think it's a couple percent. Right. So we have central banks in this world. The problem is, is we don't have just a couple of them. They're in every nation that is so-called first world, third world, second world. Every one of them. When the pandemic, the pandemic started, they began flooding dollars into 126 other central banks, just printing the paper. So that would be inflation gone insane in a normal world, which I assume we'll feel at some point in the future. Um, point is, those central banks have been around for however long they've been around and they've controlled world commerce. That is the elephant in the room. There mm -hmm. is no way in hell some clever blockchain, some clever made-up Satoshi dude is going to come up with a peer-to-peer -peer or any other method that uses the internet that they control, and they do control it because corporations control it, and money controls corporations, and central banks control everything. Um, they saw it coming. They knew it. They could stop it at any time they want simply because they have the resources to do it. So why does, the darknet, why does the darknet exist? You don't think I can go there now and buy cocaine and buy... Because I don't think it's it matters enough. There are very few people who can deal with it. Um, it's it's a numbers game. If it became mainstream tomorrow, uh, you'd see a reaction to start to change that. Um, might not happen overnight, but it's always a numbers game. How many people do you know that know how to access the dark web safely without walking away with a infected computer or worse or get scammed? Yeah, no, I think I think I know two who can do it safely. As a matter of fact, I've got a degree in internet technology, and as I start looking at it, I realize I'm over my head because I don't pay attention to it all the time. So I, what the hell? I don't need cocaine, so what do I need the dark web? I'm not interested in some weird porn with donkeys. Um, so, no. you know, what's there for me? Um, my point is, is it's not that many people, but I guarantee you the other thing about the dark web is, is because it's monitored more than people will ever ever understand and jason can tell you how i know that's true so basically they're allowing it to happen because they can look anywhere they want for the most part right and and the same thing might be true with bitcoin i mean i'm not i never said that that's not true that they can't uh, do some sort of a deep forensics into it uh, that is true they can do that uh, but as far as it being um you know you said the chances that somebody wrote a code that uh they have nothing to do with. I, I disagree with you on that. I mean, the, the, you can write a code, right? You can write code for a for a computer program. You can do it. I can do it. We're just not talented in that way. If somebody who is talented, they've already written code. Every website you're on is a code written by some person. And so with Bitcoin is obviously a person, whether we want to call that person Satoshi or the NSA or Obama, it doesn't matter who that person is. Why somebody, don't we call him the mystery agent or the mystery okay. agents or maybe the central yeah. bank? Who knows? Yes, the mystery agent, let's call him that. Okay. So what they did by creating Bitcoin is they had all these coins take off of it. 
all these people are now able to put you know, value into these crypto digital coins, and they're able to store them in various wallets that the government has no idea of knowing who has what, none. So they can try and do deep forensics and things like that, but there's ways to get around that. Many people know how to get around that. So what I'm saying is if they developed it, then they did a pretty bad job of uh, releasing it to the public and then letting people get rich off of it, which is what I said I could have done. I could have made $2 million off of it. Very so, few, though. Very, very few. It's always a numbers game. Well, just like I said, I mean, the people who bought in at a dollar sold at five, right? And the people who bought in at five sold at 15. And the people who sold at 15, you know, it's, it, I don't think there's a lot of people who bought in at a dollar and are sitting there today like, I wonder if I should cash out today or if I should wait and see if it goes up higher. No, that'd be insane. They already took their profits and are pretty happy with a $1 investment turning into $45,000, right? So they've already done that. And people kind of go along. Uh, that's a bit like, to, in, in my way of reckoning, that's a bit like the cheese being carefully placed on the mousetrap. That's what that appears to be to me. Do <laughs> you mean that there's a profit for people who get on? Yeah, look, look, this guy invested 10 cents and now, and you know, everything, everything he bought for 10 cents is worth a hundred dollars or a hundred thousand dollars. And by the way, he lives in Beverly Hills now. That's, that's bait. So um, here's, here's the problem. I, I think that the, the issue comes from always basing it off of what you can get for the dollar. Imagine that in 19 let's say 100 years ago so 1920 that the united states government said hey here's 21 million dollars okay that's all we're ever going to print that's all we're ever going to make this is all you get 21 million we're going to pass it out to everybody on this kind of release schedule it's going to be released at this you know this amount each day or this amount each 10 minutes whatever and at the end of those 100 years so let's say we just hit the 100 year mark boom the last of the 21 million dollars has been released so there's 21 million dollars now we know a couple things that a lot of that money got lost right so maybe a house burnt down, maybe a bank burnt down. So we know that some of that 21 million is gone, uh, but we know that there can't be more than that. Now think of what the value of $1 would be today. The value would be extremely high because there's only 21 million of a dollar, and yet there's 350 million people in the United States. So you can start to see where one, we wouldn't have been able to have just a penny, right? It wouldn't be a penny being the lowest amount. We would have to have many, many decimal points to the right uh, you know, multiple ones where 0. 0.00000001 cent might be worth a loaf of bread today, might be worth going to the, you know, get some gas, whatever. And that's how the value of money should work. So we shouldn't be surprised, just like if somebody said, well, what's this dollar worth in 1940? And then in 1945, it's worth more. It's because here's the problem I'm saying. You didn't look at it and say, oh, the dollar was worth this much in 1940 and this much in 1945. It all comes down to what you can get with it. Not what is so I can I can offer this, Jern, and I know I cut off Wayne a while ago, and I'll shut up here in a minute. There's a book called A Nation of Counterfeiters. It was written by Stephen Mims. Mm -hmm. That's Stephen with a PH. His last name is M-I-H-M. -M, a Nation of Counterfeiters. There was a dude after the great crash in 29 that was engineered by the central banks that we all now know. Uh, when we were about to become enemy combatants in 33 on the tail of that due to the debt they created. Um, there was a guy who, I think it was a Chicago university, one of the big universities who had an ironclad, provably true way to fix the economies so that money would never inflate and never devalue again. In other words, his system that he designed and rolled out to the government, which they quickly rolled up and smoked and hid and act like it never existed, um, would a penny today would be a penny in a thousand years if the same monetary system. That is an approvable system. Hmm. 
because it mimics nature. And because nature is all there is that's real here, as close to real as we can get in this illusion. Um, and even nature is an illusion when it comes down to it. But that's the other problem. If you're talking about volatility, if you're talking about devaluation or inflation, you haven't won anything. That's what we do now in that casino that we call the stock market uh, and all our dollars, which when I was young and it was still backed by gold, they'd announce, oh, it's worth 38 cents now. Oh, it's worth a quarter now. Um, that was the game we played. So this is all a manipulation. And the other thing I would point out is if you have a set number of coins and 100 billion people want to get in on the game, mm -hmm. that gets so fractional as to be almost unwieldy, doesn't it? No, that's what Bitcoin is right now. I mean, I, I, you know, you can do 0 0.08 decimal points to the right right now. They could always add more. It's 0 0.00000001. It's called a Satoshi. And it's not worth <laughs> much today. It's not worth anything at all. It's uh, let me see what the lowest amount of Bitcoin is worth. It's probably uh, so point zero 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 one. So the lowest amount is about uh, four one thousandths of a penny right now. So point zero 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 four cents U.S. dollar. That's the lowest amount that there currently is. Gives fractional reserve banking a new name. Well, it's completely different than that. I but, know. I'm making a joke, but oh, Wayne, Wayne, you were going to say something once upon a time before I start running my gums. Uh, yeah, I just had a couple of quick questions. Uh, first one being, whatever happened to BitTorrent? Does anybody know? Yeah, it's still around. It's got a coin now that's based off of it. There's a BitTorrent coin. Uh, they've been doing things in the crypto, crypto world as well. Okay, does anybody use BitTorrent currently that you know? Is it uh, actually still a thing? Like as far as uh, doing uh, music downloads and things like that? It's a peer-to-peer -peer protocol, right? People use it all the time. Still to this day, I haven't seen BitTorrent around in ages. Uh, I even forgot that it existed until you mentioned it just now. So I think it's the same maybe as what you're thinking of. It's not maybe they've repurposed, if that's what, it, you know, if that's what you're talking about. They now have like, um, they're more in the crypto space than they are in the file sharing because that would make sense, right? I mean, things like... Right movie i mean music sharing music and stuff is going away obviously with spotify and apple music that's the way things are going so they got out of that kind of thing and now they're uh basically in crypto but it's because they base it off of a peer-to-peer -peer file sharing system so you can actually still use BitTorrent to store your files and i think you can do charge people that coin you can make that coin it's kind of like a whole thing but you can still download the program to your computer i think Okay, so here's my next question then. Yeah. If uh, BitTorrent has moved on to doing something different, don't you think Bitcoin is eventually going to do the same thing? And uh, I, I, the other problem I have with this whole th issue is I hear a lot of if and then going on. Like if everybody adopts this, this system worldwide, this Bitcoin as the standard one world currency, uh, which has oh, been a, fa yeah. a failed thing uh, well, to that. this point now. Yeah, um, nobody said that. So nobody well, said the world accepts it as a is the the you know monetary. Well, in order for it to actually work in the way uh, that uh, we would need it to work in order to uh, have the decentralization, it would have to work in that way. Everybody universally would have to adopt this system as their only form or primary form of currency, and well, I don't I, see that you, happening. So you can, you can't go to can't go to China and spend a dollar. So what do you mean? Well, right. That's precisely my point. 
you could probably go to China and maybe spend a Bitcoin, but the places in China where you could spend a Bitcoin are probably very limited. It's it's the same kind of thing. Uh, my point being is we're, we're base, basing the value of the Bitcoin to the dollar. I don't right. invest. I, I don't buy dollars. Good. Right. But I do buy Bitcoins. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, you do. Well, you don't buy the dollar because that is actually the unit of currency that's been adopted and you do accepted. Buy the dollar. You do buy the dollar with your blood, sweat and tears. Absolutely. Well, see, that's that's the thing. Now, the Bitcoin, in order to achieve the, the model that they're looking for with it, would have to become the new dollar. OK, and that is a, a lofty ambition. What do you mean by that? Why does it have to become? So right now I can go get a job and I can get paid in Bitcoin and they can pay me in Bitcoin and I can hold it. And when I need to spend it, I can send it to somebody to buy something. So what 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 difference does it make whether it places the dollar? Yeah, well, I, I would is, actually I would actually say for Bitcoin to hold a place of value in my mind at all, it needs to remain a bit underground and not mainstream. I don't think it can mainstream. I, I think if it started to, it would just get clubbed like a that, baby that's seal. That's my whole point, actually, is if it becomes mainstream, then it's going to start to uh, see some issues arise with it. Uh, the first of which is the obvious one. OK, if this is done on a blockchain utility, uh, no information could really be lost in that. So Correct. therefore, a black market cannot exist. And it is in the interests of the powers that be in this world to maintain a black market. So I can't see it really becoming a primary form of currency because of that reasoning um, for one thing. And for, for another thing, uh, like I said, it would it would be it's a mindset that needs to be changed worldwide yes. for people to accept this as the new universal dollar or many, the new universal currency many worldwide. Many people have, right? For instance, uh, Dave Weiss lost a bet to me and he paid me $200 in Bitcoin. So at that point, him and I made a bet. He paid me in Bitcoin. The bet has now been solved or, or you know, or completed and no money was transmitted. No dollars were ever used. No money was even talked about. So at that point, it did. It is money. We made a $200 bet. He paid me. What, right, what is but, wrong with that system? But here, here's the problem. Does it really have intrinsic value? Like Crow said, if you go down to your local 7-Eleven, can you buy a Coke and a bag of chips with Bitcoin? Easily. Uh, I would say I, I would say most uh, in the area of the, uh, the country I'm in, I, I don't see people accepting Bitcoin anywhere. Uh, it's not a, a, you know, a regular form Correct. of transaction. In it's order cool. to actually buy something with it, first you have to convert it to dollars. Yeah. And that's my whole point. It yeah, would, that would be true. Yeah, that would be yeah, true. And you would have I to said. revamp the entire monetary system to no, make you it need work. To revamp and that's a tall it. order. You and need the to... only ones capable of doing that would be central banks. Yeah. So therefore, um, I see this as uh, being something that's going to be hijacked at some point by the central banks. And we've actually uh, looked at the documentation of that. They do plan on... Uh, putting out their own digital currency. And there are different ways so that to combat to the... Them creating their own digital currency has nothing to do with Bitcoin. What they're saying is they've seen the popularity of it and they've learned how you can actually keep coins, digital coins safe. You've learned how to not allow double spend. You've learned how to not allow hacking. You've learned how to not allow brute, uh, brute force attacks. So okay. that's how, why they're going to... How exactly do they uh, prevent hacking of this? Because it's impossible. There, so I've done a whole show on private. How is it impossible? I mean, it, it I'm act, asking for my own lack is. of knowledge on it. Okay, it, how it is. is it impossible Let me explain to you. Let me explain to you. The amount of so you need a private key in order to spend money that exists in a wallet. Okay, 
and the private key, the amount of private keys is two to the 256. Okay. So that number is an 115 undecillion. Okay. There's just, it's an unheard of amount. One way to describe it or that I've had it described to me, which might make a little sense to you, is that if you think of the amount of grains of sand that they say is on Earth, now we don't have to agree with that number, just think of that because they say it's two to the 56 or two to the 54, whatever. That's the amount of grains of sand that they say is on Earth. They did some study. Okay, let's say we believe that. So the amount of private keys that exists is two to the 256. And what you're talking about there is if on every grain of sand on Earth, now picture that every on every one of those grains of sand was 7.7 billion people. Okay. Um, so on every single grain of sand is 7.7 billion people. Now imagine that you hide your money with one person. Okay. So one person out of the, the, all the grains of sand on earth and on every grain of sand is 7.7 billion. And then I told you here, go get a computer that can hack and find where my money is hidden. Hopefully you would realize it's impossible that even computers running 4 billion hashes per second can't possibly do that in a trillion years. And it's not cost per, it's not cost effective to, for them to even try because let's say they do break into a wallet, chances are that wallet has zero in. Maybe the computer spent months and months and months and months and months and years and years and years trying to break these pass, trying to break these private keys, and then all of a sudden they got one. And there's nothing in it, so there's not a monetary reason for somebody to hack. And the way that the hashing goes, the way that the algorithm is drawn, is it only goes one way. From a private key, you can get a public key, and from a public key, you can get an address, but you can never go the opposite way. It's done cryptography cryptographically. So meaning we know people's addresses. You can go to my donation page on my site and see my address and you can find addresses that have like the ones I talked about earlier that have the hundred thousand or a million coins in them. Well, just because you know that address, it's impossible to go the other direction. You cannot hack the address. The address is just a shortened uh, you know, thing. It doesn't go through you know, SHA-256. It doesn't go through the intrinsic curve math, all that stuff. So you can't go backwards. So what that does is it makes it in order to get into a wallet, you would have to try every single private key first, right? It doesn't, let's say there's only one wallet in the world, one wallet in the world. It has all the Bitcoin in it. The amount of private keys that it would take to open that, <clears throat> excuse me, is there's only one, one private key would open that address. But if there's two to the 256 private keys, then you would have to aim your computer at that one address and you would have to try every single private key to get to two to the 256, which is undecillion, whatever, whatever is it's trillions and it's actually yeah it might be trillions of years it would take trillions of years with trillions of computers with trillions of <laughs> hashes per second it's it's not it's not possible now i will say this there's a talk about quantum computers i'm not a buyer into this whole idea i think it's you know bullshit but let's say you believe in it that in a couple of years we're going to have quantum computer computers which instead of having to do a certain amount of thinking processes per second can all of a sudden do like multiples at the same time which doesn't even really make sense to me but let's say you can do that the thing about Bitcoin is that you could get together and say, okay, we want to add more uh, difficulty into the Bitcoin address. So let's say somebody found out, oh, wait, we found a computer that actually hacked one of these addresses and got in there. Oh, shit, we better change it from 2 to the 256 to 2 to the 580 or whatever. And then you could just you know, progressively make the private keys more and more difficult to hack. So it's, it's, you know, even then, I don't even believe that. But let's say in 20 years, there's a certain computer that comes out that all of a sudden can do enough hashes that within a thousand years or something would possibly get into a Bitcoin address. Well, that's going to be a problem because you know even if it's one in a thousand years, that's still a decent chance that it could happen, right? We don't want it to happen. So as soon as we knew that that was a possibility, you'd be able to fix those things. Right now, it's an impossibility, meaning there is no, there's no way. There's just no way. 
I, I think um, one time I described it in one of my videos, I'd have to uh, you know, show you exactly what I mean by this. But, you know, 2 to the 256 can be reduced to basically 2 to the 32nd eight times, right? And 2 to the 32nd, the one way to look at that that's easier is 4 billion, okay? So basically, think of 4 billion times 4 billion times 4 billion times 4 billion times 4 billion. Okay, so all the way out eight times. And then you can start to see that, let's say we have a, a computer that can do 4 billion hashes per second, okay? Let's say it's the computer we're looking at right now, we can all, at our desk, even though your computer can probably do 50,000 hashes per second. But let's pretend we have massive GPUs, we have the best GPUs possible, we can do 4 billion hashes per second, right? That's our first 4 billion. So now we have to multiply that by 4 billion. So let's pretend, even though Google has uh, like a couple million, maybe 10 million servers across the world, let's say all of a sudden that they have 4 billion, right? So they've got 4 billion Google computers all running the 4 billion hashes per second that I just said our computers can do. Okay, so that's times the second 4 billion. So now we've got Google has 4 billion computers. All right, so now times it by 4 billion again. Meaning, let's say we gave one of those Googleplexes, a, a, you know, Google has 4 billion computers. Let's say we gave each one of those to half of the people on Earth. So now we're going to go by the next 4 billion. So now you've given, we have 4 billion hashes per second on our card. Google has 4 billion of those computers. And we've given each of 4 billion people on Earth one of those sets of 4 billion computers. Okay, and then we have to multiply it by 4 billion again. So let's pretend that there's 4 billion Earths. So now... On each of those 4 billion Earths, you have 4 billion people who each have 4 billion computers to themselves, each with 4 billion hashes per second on a card. We still are only at the fourth 4 billion. Multiply that by, I don't know, uh, 4 billion seconds, which is like 100 and something years, 150 years. Okay, now that's the next 4 billion. Now multiply that by 4 billion. So 150 years times 4 billion. So what you've got at the end of that is even with every single, there's 4 billion Earths, each with 4 billion people, each with 4 billion computers, each doing 4 billion hashes per second, and still they would only get an address right once out of uh, whatever 150 times 4 billion is. So, you know, 600 billion years. So that's what the power of, of big numbers is. Is so any computer, and think about it, we've got pretty impressive um, supercomputers right now, and they are, they may, they're made look weak by Bitcoin simply because it's a big number. It's just, a big number that's all that it is and so it's completely open it's not even that's why when you say it's not we don't know what the code is we do know what the code is in fact you can see it yourself and it's all done cryptography it's not like anything's done behind closed doors it's not like anything's done in secret in fact you can you can actually generate your own bitcoin address offline i could shut my computer down right now or shut off my internet and restart my computer with like an ubuntu disk or some sort of an operating system that is connected to any nothing and I would be able to generate my own address and my own private key based off of the math. I don't even need to be on the internet. And I could send money to that address. And I generated it offline. Nobody in the world would ever be able to know that that address exists, that I own it, that I created it. Nothing. Why? Because of the power of mathematics. That that number is so huge, 115 undecillion, is so big that it's impossible for anybody to ever generate the same private key twice by accident, meaning I can go offline and generate a private key, and the, the, there is zero chance of anybody having that private key already, which is insane to think about, because all my computer is doing is general is coming up with a, what do you want to call it, an address uh, mathematically, right? I'm trying to think of the word, but anyway, it's coming up with an address on its own, and if it does that through oh random, I'm sorry, I don't know why I couldn't think of the word. So it's a completely random process, but the number is so big that it's impossible to randomly 
get the same number twice ever. Nobody in uh, another number is like, two, have you ever looked at two to the 160, right? Doesn't seem like that big of a number. And one way to look at it, and this is where our minds get confused. You know, if you flipped a coin and you wrote down, let's say heads is one and zero is, is tails is zero, right? So it's just a one or a zero. And you flip it 160 times. And so you have a big number, one, zero, 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 one, 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 zero, zero. Okay, 160 digits long. That, the, that it's impossible that anybody in the past or anybody in the future will ever flip the same thing you did. That seems on its surface, you're like, that can't be true. That's what's crazy is it is true, is that if you flip a coin, and that's basically what a private key is, is it's a, a random generator. You can also move it into hex format. You can move it into binary. You, you know, there's a lot of different ways to move it in different uh, you know, revelations, but that's what happens when you start getting these kind of impossible numbers. They're just so big that nobody can break them. Nobody can hack that. So that's what I mean by it's unhackable, that nobody's going to break into anybody's wallet, at least not anytime soon, 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the road, maybe different. Um, but right now, nobody can do it. And, so, you know, I don't know, is that kind of what you meant by what is it not hackable? Well, yeah, I was actually, uh, you know, asking for the specific reason because uh, the good folks over at Temporal Defense Systems in Washington uh, would disagree with you and say that uh, all encryption at this point can be broken uh, with the quantum computers. And the good folks at D-Wave would probably uh, hold up that argument too. But, you know, if you take issue with the uh, the quantum computer, and I do take some issues with them as well. I don't think they operate completely how they claim that they do, but uh, they do actually work in a different way from our standard computers and even our supercomputers. And uh, they have been uh, shown to be able to do these types of calculations that have never been achieved before uh, with some success. So they, it could they, be argued that there is a possible way that they can possibly break the encryption. And, uh, you know, especially not knowing who created this whole option of Bitcoin, uh, so that kind of leaves an open door in my why does view. Matter, though? Why does that matter who created it? Let me explain. If I create something and I just write it on a piece of paper and then I put it out on the internet and I disappear and anybody does whatever they want with that paper and what I wrote, then does it really matter who wrote it? Because uh, I would say it does because in my view, intention is everything. Well, intent the person is everything. Well, they wrote their intent and that's in the white paper. So what I'm saying is you might, they might have a nefarious reason behind it, right? They could be like trying to trick you. The problem is, is people can read the white paper. They can read the, the, the entire layout of the system. So why, if the person was trying to do something nefarious, how would they hide it in an open-coded item that has its entire proof of work right in front of you? But it and, doesn't. It doesn't, though. There is arguments that say a small percentage of the original code has been scrutinized. I don't know what that means. That's impossible. It's impossible. Nobody would trust it at all if that were true. I'll see if I can find the, the unless something. You mean, unless you mean that, like, okay, so let's say I write a white paper and it's got 100% of code on it, and then I hand it off to somebody, and somebody says, oh, I'm going to use this 75% and make something from it. Well, then, yeah, you wouldn't have need the other 15%, obviously, if you're only going to use my 75 to create whatever you create, right? You can't then say whatever that guy creates, I'll, you can't I'll say... I'll see if I can find something uh, yeah, from please. this gang of people that said it, but there, there's other things, but I don't want to lean too heavily on this. If we no, were going to do the if we were going to do the typical things that we did to, like, say, mainstream news, because we know what they do, um, some of the first things that happened with Bitcoin, uh, like the initial website address, um, on the 18th of August in 08, and then he goes on to publish his first white paper. Um, that happens on Halloween in 08. 
So all the way up into 09 is when version one of Bitcoin gets released. And that happens on January 9, 2009. 2009 could be a 9-11 encode. January 9 is possibly a 9-11 encode, particularly when you tack version one being released to it. As I go through this, basically what I see is what I would call poppycock from the media, but I know the media's intent, where here I don't have such a clear shot. I can't prove intent here like I can with media. Um, but my point is... Um, well, it's really the media that put that information out, right? Well, I'm, that's the second point I was going to make. I'm getting this off Wikipedia, so that is your media. Right. If you look at if you look at Wikipedia up in the upper right hand corner of Satoshi, is it gives his birth date, which is hilarious because of course he's not a real person, and therefore how would you know his birth date? Well, actually, in the Wikipedia thing, they try to act like he is at the beginning. Then they try to act. They were here's the other thing. It smacks of the bullshit we get from media all the time because there was they find a guy that has the name within his name, and right. they run him down trying to pin it on. It, it has the same nonsense plastered all over it. When someone makes a car, you know who the chief engineer was. If he had a team, you know who his team was. And then the other things go on well, we here. Know there's, the team was. There's, That's, well, we there's an expert yeah. here claiming um, he read through all the stuff that Satoshi did. Um, and he's claiming it's pretty clear he had a team of 11 people. Why is it always nines and elevens all the way through this? Oh, I've seen the same thing. They say because they, uh, and you know the first couple people. You just don't know the original. The people that were like involved in the, like I said, it would be the equivalent of me writing some code, me coming up with this idea, and then getting well, Pro involved and getting Jason involved. There's, and there's, more, it would be there's no. more problems though. Cause so supposedly this guy who doesn't exist gets sick of doing it in mid-2010 and he hands all the source code over to Gavin Anderson or Andresen, who's a software developer. And where is he? In Amherst, Massachusetts. Go ahead and do a look up on that town. I'm just suspicious. Um, but that would, in fact, have to insinuate that Gavin Andres Andresen knows absolutely how Bitcoin started. Doesn't, doesn't it have to mean that? Is it possible that, that Gavin Andresen inherited the code base without understanding who made it? I believe that the problem with it is, is these guys knew each other from a cryptographer forum, right? So then we're faced with the problem that Gan Gavin Andresen is a liar. Why? Because if he knows who it is and he won't divulge, this I just is said, I just said that it took place on a cryptographer forum. You don't know who people are in a forum. How would you wow. know somebody? So this person posted, hey, I've got this idea. I want to do this, this, and this. And somebody else said, okay, well, I'll help you. We'll look at it. They were all cryptographers. This is what they did. Okay. When he came up with this code, he, it says here that he handed the key and source repository code and the network alert key to, to Anderson. Right. If, if you want to act like they were just in a chat room and he liked the cut of his avatar, I, I suppose you can make that argument. Oh, you're um, saying that it says he handed it in person? I don't believe that that's ever been said. I'm saying that, that if you're going to get involved in this thing, um, and this is 2010, by the way, um, I think by then Big Bang had already done its Bitcoin episode, right? Pretty sure. I'd have to look to know. I don't know. 2010, it was worth a penny or five cents. Well, yeah, to play a devil's advocate here, these people may not have known what it was going to do, not saying that they didn't want it to do it. Nobody that's, did. Right. Nobody did. In order for it to do what it's done now, number one, it would have to stand this test of time, right? Number two, it would have to be 
um, improved upon when needed, which has happened. Uh, for instance, they added what they're called SegWit addresses, which uh, just to add more complexity and more private keys. So this is the problem I had back in the day is I looked at it as a very short-term thing. When I looked at it, I said, uh, I don't like some of these things. I don't like the fact that people can put in the wrong address and send it to nowhere and the coins are lost. And there was a bunch of problems I had in 2013. The thing is, all those things have been worked out by developers, by people who can code, people who can create products around Bitcoin, people who make wallets that are safe now. If you get a wallet like an Exodus wallet and you try and send Bitcoin and you put in the wrong address, as soon as you hit send, the, the wallet says, sorry, that's not a Bitcoin address. You know, complete. Now, that didn't happen in 2013. In 2013, you put the wrong address in there and you hit send, that money was gone forever. It never made it anywhere because it didn't, it wasn't coded to handle incorrect payment addresses. But now wallets are are coded so that they don't allow it. So what I'm saying is innovation is key. Innovation around something decentralized is even better. And if you have people constantly working on things and constantly trying to improve the way it's used, then it's got a great chance of lasting. Now, again, the, the, the hacking part of it's a problem. If it can get hacked, then it's going to cause huge problems, right? The problem, the, the thing is, is with these big numbers that whoever created this set up, they made it so that it's not hackable, at least in our next couple of years, as far as the technology that we know or what we think will come along. Now, again, quantum computers, if you made them to point them directly at a wallet and you tried to hash them out, uh, I still don't even think the amount of... Uh, yeah, I'm not buying that. You know, that's, uh, like the, that's like the nuclear weapon argument. That's just a scare tactic, and I'm, I'm with Wayne. I don't believe that quantum computing works in the way they, they say it does. Oh, me neither yeah, at all. So, okay, so if you don't believe in that, then you realize that even you know, all the computers on Earth put together would take— No, I, I don't think it's hackable in the conventional sense. I just don't. Right. It would already be hacked. I mean, that's the thing, is that there, there's so much money involved. I could show you wallets right now that have $3.6 trillion in them. If it'd it was be, hackable, somebody would steal that. Yeah, it'd be quicker for a psychic just to do— what they yeah, do exactly so i mean the the other um you know thing that i think is important and this is the thing is i understand where you guys are coming from because i'm skeptical of everything I'm, in fact i think i'm more skeptical than than you know should be but it, i'm overly skeptical now with bitcoin the only thing is is that i've looked at it over and over again and i don't see anything glaring and what i mean by that is that again if the government had something sinister in mind then you know that there would be certain facts that would be involved number one all governments who have ever done fiat money in all of history, have ever ma have always made it so that they can add money to the system, right? This is how you um, basically keep a, in a population enslaved. This is how you keep them being wage slaves, is you kind of increase the production of money. Debt. It's, yeah, debts, debts. It's all based at the end on, of the day, that's what does it. Exactly. Okay, so with Bitcoin, the you know, and if you read the white paper, whoever wrote it said things like, you know, the way the big banks handle things is not the way it should be. It should be a currency that is a set amount, you know, that's going to be released on a certain schedule because you can't release it all at the beginning or everybody at the beginning gets rich and nobody would ever buy in. So he kind of came up with this system. And the one thing that he solved that nobody had ever solved before was the problem of double spend or counterfeiting. That's why there was no such thing as digital money yet, because they said everything can be copied. Look at music files, look at movie files as people can copy it and then they hand it out. So how could you ever make a money? that's not copyable. And that's what he did. That's what he created. That's why people think it's you know so amazing. Now, again, whether that's a person or not, to me, doesn't matter. I don't care if it was a team of 500 people because you can read the paper, you can read the code, and you can see how it operates. So there is no code in there that says at any time anything different is going to happen. There is no code. Uh, there's, there's a problem with that logic, Jaron. Are you smart enough, even though you've seen how it's done, are you smart enough to replicate it? What, the... 
I don't, I the mean, code. Like, so, no, so he cracks these problems and they actually let you see behind the curtain how he did it. Can you deal with that even though you've been told the trick? Probably not. Um, and well, we so, up, uh, well, well, so what my I, argument would be is that technology at this level, you act like you know what's going on. You have no way of knowing how this was put together. If there was an Easter egg put somewhere, you just don't know. Me or um, people that any, can any, Anyone. Anyone what? who wants know, to act it. like it's it's there's true. People, all the coins that have been developed off of the Bitcoin code. Think of the there's hundreds, if not thousands. That is thousands. that is knowable. What? That is knowable, right? No, I'm saying that they have they've used that code to create their own product, to create their own coin. I think we're I think we're we're. So what's worth more is is the code that actually codes Bitcoin worth more than the actual Bitcoin itself? Then, if other people could make their own product uh, without necessarily the cap of Bitcoin, no, it doesn't. Knowing the code doesn't allow you to hack it. The code tells you why it's not hackable. No, I I understand (laughs) that, but what I'm saying is they could actually use this same code to create their own digital currency. They've done it. It's so doing of them. There's thousands of them. What do you mean? Right. Yeah. So what's more valuable, that code or the actual Bitcoin? See, that's the thing. Uh, If you could if you could do it over and over again, then how is Bitcoin going to hold value as opposed to to some other cryptocurrency like that? That's my whole point here. At some point, people are going to decide that, you know, Bitcoin's not worth collecting anymore. Just like if you, you collect something like baseball cards or whatever. Uh, it's worth more to certain collectors than it is to others. Somebody's yeah. going to be willing to pay more for it, and somebody's going to pay less. Well, at some point, Correct. the bottom's going to fall out, and people are going to say, well, I don't really want the Bitcoin. I, I don't see any value in it anymore because I could buy this Ethereum thing, uh, which is worth more right now, and I'll go with that one. And, right. so then they would and to be to fair, sell, that right? could be true of anything, though. Yeah, I, right. I understand that. That, but that is true of saying, everything. Yeah, what I'm saying, though, is... If you have a finite value of Bitcoin that's made, um, that that's you know one thing. And if okay. that was actually the primary and only digital currency that there was, then yes, the value of that would be astronomical, especially if that does at some point convert into the uh, digital money system that we use. But the problem here is, okay, we have this open source uh, code now that could create any type of a digital currency we want. Well, at some point, the market's going to get flooded with all these different digital currencies, and that's going to make them worthless, in my view, uh, because there's no regulation on it. So once again, the the regulation thing comes into play, and this is what the central banks look at. All right, but so, a 1952, uh, you know, Roy Campanella baseball card or a, a Joe DiMaggio card is worth a ton right now, based on your theory, because more Topps cards came out every year after, because people can make their own baseball cards and there became Donruss and Upper Deck and Score and all these different ones, that it would hurt the value of the 1952 Topps. No, it's still the... But here the, comes the other problem, though. Um, okay. at, at some point, uh, what could happen if you're using, like, that analogy, I use that analogy first, uh, like the, the baseball card one. Okay. Well... What happens if they print more Babe Ruth cards uh, or create more Babe Ruth cards? Which per they se. can't, right? It's not exactly the same as the Bitcoin, I understand, and that may not be the best analogy here. But at some point, I'm thinking that the entire Bitcoin system itself, they're going to say, this is just one of many different types of coins. 
Yes, you know, it's it's not really anything I I find intrinsically valuable when I could actually deal in this other form of currency elsewhere. And I think it's going to drop to the wayside. There's some coins that are worth 0.01 cents, right? So there's some, let's look at like BAT as a coin. It's called basic attention token. So right now it's like 35 cents, okay? So what you're saying is because Bitcoin is worth uh, $45,000 for one, based on what you just said, then you're like, well, why aren't people just selling their Bitcoin to get the BAT? Right, because it's only thirty-five cents. So why not just get a ton of BAT? Well, people can do that, and they do do that. The problem with that is when they get rid of their Bitcoin, they have to sell it for the market rate, which is forty-five thousand. So what you're saying there is just happens every day all around the world in everything. But I got I got a question here. Was there any patent ever? Because he solved a pretty big issue here, the duplication issue alone. Was there any copyright or patenting or trademarking done on any of this? Absolutely not. It's this. You're missing the point of. No, no, no. I, I'm not. I'm not missing the point. I'm just wondering if anyone tried to say, "Hey, this was a genius thing. I want to patent it." No, no. Because the reason that it was released is because this is a brilliant thing and it's open source. Here you go. Anybody? Yeah, can I use get it? all that. I was just wondering yeah. if anyone had filed. No, I don't think the, I'm not sure that you could. At this not, point. That, not that we know of. I mean, and that's the thing. And that, that comes to back to, you know, who exactly created this thing again, uh, the anonymity behind it all, uh, because, the, you know, it is an open source uh, type of code that could be used by pretty much anybody to generate any type of coin they want with it. Right. But uh, at the same point, does that necessarily make it a valuable thing if anybody could produce their own type of currency. No, because it um, takes other steps, right? It takes other things. So the, the scam that's out there right now is people doing coins where they just lie about what the coin's potential is, right? So I say to everybody listening to the show right now, hey, me, Crow, and Jason, we have this new coin. It's called the Crow Jason coin. And uh, we're going to do all these things that you can tip creators. You can send people who do YouTube videos. You can buy into Crow's podcast with it, whatever. And so we say we have a million coins and we're going to release them and we're going to start selling them for 10 cents each. And we get 500 people who buy. And now we say, okay, now the price is 20 cents and 1,000 people buy. Now it's 50 cents, whatever. And at the end of the million coins, we just all take off and go live in Aruba. That's what's happening all over the place <laughs> because we never actually did anything with our coin. We never actually developed anything. We just told a lie. So that's happening everywhere. And people and, are- Okay, so what's the incentive for people to actually develop their coin beyond that then? See, Correct. that's- Which, that's the whole problem. The, the problem, this is the problem with other coins. A lot of other coins have like an initial release, which is a problem, right? Where they'll say like, um, okay, at the beginning, we're going to give all the founding fathers or all the first people who got involved, we're going to give them this massive payout. And they get a bunch of coins. And then they start the coin process after that. And the reason it continues is because so many people from the beginning were offered all these free coins. So they start using them and spending them. And then they want it to be listed on an exchange. So people start paying for it so they can go sell it there. So that's the problem with a lot of the coins. But with every coin, you can see the rules behind it. You can see the um, the setup. You can see how the code runs. And so with some coins, and there's some coins that are private. That's the great thing about the ones that are coming out. Like I think Monero is great. It's, it's, it's what Bitcoin should have been. So this is where I disagree with what you're saying. Things like Monero have come along. They've taken the code of Bitcoin and they've said, we don't like this about it and we don't like this about it and we don't like this about it. And then they adjust it and then they create their own coin, right? And then from there, it kind of takes off. Now, Monero right now is only like $170 a coin, uh, but it has the same limit. Well, it's about the same limit as, as Bitcoin. It has a little different end game at the end of the 21 million. It will keep releasing a little bit for like all time, but it's still it would be considered deflationary because it's so little that come out. It's just enough to pay the miners. But anyway, it's like $170 a coin. 
I think that has more of an upside if you're talking about multiplications in the future because it's private. The difference being I can't if if I send money to Crow, boom, he gets it. I can't go click on Crow's wallet and see what he has accumulated in that wallet. In fact, the system would laugh at me and says, you're not trying to do that really. With Bitcoin, it's different than that. If I sent money to Crow's Bitcoin wallet and he, which I have to know the address to send it. And let's say everybody who's ever sent money to Crow sends it to that address because that's the only one he gives out. Well, I would be able to click on his address and see how much money he has. So that's a problem with Bitcoin. Now, there's lots of ways around that. A lot of wallets handle that for you. There's something, you know, a lot of people change addresses every time, meaning if Crow gave me a different address every single time I paid him, when I paid him and I went and clicked on his address, I would only ever see the money I paid him, right? Because that's the only time he's ever used that address. That's the other thing about addresses is you can make a million addresses. I could make a million addresses. Jason can make a million. Everybody on earth can make a million. And we would still be not even close to how many you know, addresses are possible. There, there's another thing to kind of want to get your, it almost seems to me like whoever did this or however it came to be, they had to know about banking. And as I look down through what the wiki record wants us to think is true of all this on the very first Bitcoin embed, uh, the first 50, he attached a pretty grandiose thing. The Times, 3 January 2009, Chancellor on the brink of second bailout for banks. Um, that's pretty grandiose for a thing that you're just making, you know. But when you look at the overall, how far it's come, how well it's done, how many people have bought into it for that matter, Although it's in in the scope of the world, it's not that many. A lot of people have made some serious money doing this um, Bitcoin thing, um, but they had to have been tied to the banks. And as I scanned down, I was not aware that this other dude who wanted to try to figure out if Satoshi was a real guy, he claims that of the 500 posts or something he went over, uh, there were all kinds of comments on fractional reserve system, mm -hmm. downing the fractional reserve system. Um, so from the get-go, there's a bank tie. Well, supposedly, yeah, the person hated the yeah. banks. I mean, this is, again, it would be a great story. But with knowledge of them as well. Yeah, and here's one thing I will say about it, and whether this will be taken the wrong way or not, is I think it's too good to be true. Now, what I mean by that is that usually everything that I've ever seen that you say that about turns out to be so, right? But if there was something that was possibly a chance at people to get um, at least to, to ruffle the feathers of this system. It is Bitcoin. And what I mean by that is it matches all the check marks that I would make that would be something I would say, wait a second, now this is, number one, it has to be open source, like I said. So if Crow can find me any evidence that it's not, which I don't think is possible, but let's say he does, that would be a huge problem. Number one, if it's open source, number two, people can read the code, people can develop off of it, um, and that you're able to do things that the government would never allow you to do, that it's not inflationary, that it's deflationary, that if there's a set amount, that it will always gain value, uh, those things would all be required to have something that has a chance of going up against this monetary system. Now, I recognize that they run this country on that man monetary system. They run, the they run the world on the idea of debt slavery. So they can't allow it to um, become what some people might think it is. Kind of, I don't know if it was Wayne or whoever was talking about, that would need to become a replacement for the dollar. They, they won't let they won't let that happen, right? So what what I mean by that is they will come out with a coin like Crow said. They will say, hey, it's this new U.S. dollar coin, and guess what? Right now, if you turn in a thousand dollars cash, we'll give you eleven hundred bucks. Everybody on Earth or everybody in the United States is going to run right away because they want eleven hundred bucks for their thousand dollars in cash, and they're all going to start using 
this United States coin. Now, with any coin that the United States ever creates, there will not be a cap, meaning they can add money to it whenever they want, which means it's no different than the dollar. And when they give away free money, like turn in your thousand and get 1100, well, they will, of course, have a design behind that. They're not like giving out money for reals. They're actually, uh, there's a big, a whole, a whole kind of trick behind it, right? Just like they've done for all times to everybody. So will everybody buy in? Will everybody start using that coin? Will that become the world monetary object, this USD coin that's a digital coin? Yeah, but just like Crow said, they're not going to allow you to pass it down to your grandkids. They're not going to allow you to store it in a private account that they don't have eyes on. So once we know that that's what they would create, that's what the government would create. If there's something that does the opposite of that, then you have to wonder how could the government be involved? Why would the government ever create a system or a store of value that I'm able to create right now that nobody in the, in the world would know that I own, that nobody would know that I handed it to my son, that nobody would know that I hid it? It's even worse than that. You can hide the, the money in your head. Think about that. Meaning that there's a 24 seed word phrase that you can use to get your money out of anywhere. So I can create money. I can create a wallet. I can send my money there. I can create this. I can get the seed words from that. I can throw everything away, crush the wallet I made, burn my computer down, burn my house down. And that money exists in my head with those 24 words. Now, I'm not recommending that to anybody because the human mind isn't good at remembering things like that. So have another plan in place. But I'm saying if the government came after me today and I need to run away, if I have any bank account in this country, it's shut down. I'm not going to be able to access it when I get to Singapore or whatever. There's no way I can even take any value with me. It's, I'm not going to be able to travel on a plane with a bunch of gold and silver. I'm shit out of luck. Bitcoin is the first time ever that's been created that I would be able to, using a piece of paper, write down 24 words, hide it under my shoe. I could fly all around the world, Singapore or whatever. When I got there, I would need to find one computer, sit down at the computer, put my words in, and I have all my finances right in front of me. So that is... It is something that the world has never seen before. And I understand why it's to doubt that. Why, why would we, you know, that we should doubt it? I get it. But if you really look into it and see what happened, it matches all the boxes of somebody who is trying to kind of create a way around the monetary system. Now, again, they're going to come after it. They have to. They cannot allow it to be. Now, the only, here's the one way we can win. The way you win is you never think about it as money. Meaning, Jaron, what is a Bitcoin worth in uh, 20 years? It's worth a Bitcoin. All right, great. You just worry about what you can get for it. And I don't mean by, because again, I don't want to go cash out my Bitcoin and have to do KYC and them know exactly who I am. What I would rather is be able to send it to Crow and Crow accepts that as value. And he allows me to be a member on his website for seven bucks a month and that he takes Bitcoin for that. And then when he wants to buy something from, uh, you know, Jason, he pays him in Bitcoin. When Jason wants to buy something from whoever, he pays in Bitcoin. Now, if we do that, all of a sudden we have just created a money system. There doesn't need to be a worry about dollars and what do I this. But the problem is right now they've got everybody so locked into the idea that the only money that exists is that paper, that worthless paper in your wallet. When really a $1 bill and a $100 bill is the same thing. It's just a piece of paper. The only thing that's different about those is your trust in it and the rest of the people. Now, they've got people brainwashed. They don't have people capable of seeing that there can be other things that can be considered money. It's they it's can't. not it's just not bulletproof, though. You know, do you, are you journey where this money guy gregory manorino that everyone's kind of into he follows no. everything to do with money you should check him out um when this whole fraud started and the money markets went sideways and he said common sense doesn't exist this is all just a shell game now he pointed out that when the central banks started pumping greenbacks into 126 other central banks just printing the money endlessly he said that they were spending six times 
that remember the tarp payment everyone was pissed off under bush what was that mm -hmm. three or six trillion he said they were spending six times that a day every day since the pandemic started mm -hmm. so if that is correct or even close to correct what would stop someone from just saying sure i'll give you face value i'll make you rich right now you want 45 grand a bitcoin here you go here's eight million dollars because i just printed it it's fiat I made it up out of thin air and I'm an agent for the central bank and I could make this up till the end of time, like we're doing right now as we send off God knows how many gazillion dollars to every central bank to ensure that when we reset here and start coming to this new world order, whatever it might look like, the inflation is insane. And there's a track record to prove that the inflation uh, follows every time there's any kind of a big currency reset. But my point is, that could happen so tomorrow. Have, but is every one of those coin resets, any kind of uh, currency reset, have they all been centralized? Yes. Well, everything a, everything has always been centralized. My point <laughs> is, is there's there's no security for the system. It's to me the power of Bitcoin is that it's a bit underground for its entirety. If it gets too big, it just it'll get swept aside one way or the other. Right now, there's a core group of people who are technical who are probably mostly young who are driving it and some people have gotten very wealthy off it some people have lost their shirts my point is well, if, if it grows to any sizable portion of the gdp of a nation it get crushed like a bug yeah well, i don't know what that necessarily means i don't know what i just gave you two examples the united states wakes up tomorrow and says guess what all you regulated crypto people it's against the law now there's okay, one so way you and the I other way is, is that an agent from the central bank poses as a rich Saudi prince and says, I'll buy every, just starts hitting people. Here you go, 45K of Bitcoin and starts handing out the fiat like it's the candy that it is. That already happens. What do you mean? I can go get, if I have a Bitcoin right now, I can go get 45,000. So what, why, why do I need a Saudi guy to do that? What good is that going to do anybody? Because he's buying up all of it. He's he can making do that today. What do you mean? Why, why, why? Well, the point that Crow's the making point is, is, is with the a limited fiat amount currency, of, yeah. with the fiat currency, they could print an unlimited amount of it and buy out all the limited here's, Bitcoin currency. Oh, gotcha. Okay, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah. so you print Here, a bunch of the, money. Here's, here's another similar problem that all the people in the metal markets um, that I kind of pay attention to because there's actually intrinsic value there. Um, I keep bringing up this problem over and over and no one will take me serious and I don't even know why. I said, what if silver goes to, because everyone's saying silver is going to go through the roof. I said, what if it goes to a thousand an ounce tomorrow? Will you cash in? And everyone's all hell yes. And I said, you would cash in a thousand dollars an ounce silver. You bought for 20, you know, anywhere between $12 and $20 an ounce. It hits a hundred an ounce and you're going to cash in. Yes. I said, but aren't you concerned that the fiat reset hasn't happened? What are you cashing into? Right. You're cashing into fiat. Right. So that's why I keep saying that the problem with it is that we keep referring to the money that we get for Bitcoin. That's, uh, you know, it's it's going to be that way for a while. Um, yeah, but so it doesn't have to a loaf be of bread with Bitcoin. It will be that way. Well, you can. I mean, you just would need to cash out. Right. Not, I mean, not, that's the point. Right. If there's still cash to get what you need to live. Well, let me tell you why people won't accept it right now for a loaf of bread and why that's going to change is because people that are in businesses don't want to speculate. So, for instance, if let's say Bitcoin is forty-five thousand today, right? And there's a car dealership that sells and you know, whatever Jaguars, and I want to go buy a Jaguar, and I give them one Bitcoin, and they give me the car. Okay, great, easy transaction. The problem with it is, 
they don't want to be sitting on that Bitcoin because in a month it could be down to 35,000 and they don't want to lose 10,000. Now, in a month, it could go up to 55000 and they actually made 10000 but they're not in the business of speculating. They're in the business of making profit for selling cars, right? The problem with that is, is so right now, there is companies, you can buy cars from certain uh, car companies with Bitcoin, but what they do is the second that they get that Bitcoin, they're immediately cashing it out. So here's my Bitcoin. All right, we want 35000 So they already think of it like that, right? When people realize that it it will grow in value, then people will start to be like, oh, it's not really speculation. The car dealership will look at it like, yeah, it could go down to thirty-five thousand in a month, but it will come back and be, end up being higher than forty-five thousand at the end but of the that, year. See what you're describing is a freaking casino, no different than the stock market, and that is why I recommended the book to you. A true currency, free of all the problems and things we hate, is one that will never inflate, never devalue. A penny is a penny today. A penny will be a penny in a thousand years if we stick to the system. The problem becomes is that you can't say that it's not speculation when the frickin' value changes, whether it's intrinsic value or perceived value. This is why you're mistaken. You're thinking of money. You're thinking of money too much. It doesn't matter what I'm thinking of. If the value is not stable, it's speculative. No, it's and this, it is. It this might all be, ties back to some basic money. economic factors. Money is, is going. Money is going down. That's why. So, for instance, when they handed out those two thousand dollars stimulus checks or whatever it was, and the money and gold and silver went up in price, and everybody says gold and silver are going up, I was laughing because I said, no, it's not. They just gave a bunch of free money away. So of course the price of everything goes up. That's the problem with the way that they handle money. That's why a dollar bought you a loaf of bread back in the '80s, and now it will. You can't. And that's why, you know, you could buy a popcorn at the movies for five cents in the 40s. So these things, that's the problem with our money is it's going the other direction, right? With Bitcoin, there's only 21 million ever. And so the value will go up of that asset because it's got a very the value. Low- but the, the track record shows that it goes both ways, Jaron. We have a record to look at. That's what I was right. going to ask about when you said people have lost their ass. If anybody lost their ass on Bitcoin, it's simply because they sold when they shouldn't have. Dude, there's a whole show on television about the onset of Bitcoin and all the people got in and how many people literally lost their ass by okay, trying so- to build computers to coin it, the regulation that came in, um, complete businesses that failed, people that got screwed by central hubs that were supposed to be handling the Bitcoin uh, Gox, that, yeah. that screwed people over. But my point is is regardless of whether you want to separate the idea from how we think about money. Let's say Bitcoin is not money. It has nothing to do with money. But now I can go to 7-Eleven and I can get myself a Hershey bar with Bitcoin. So I will ask a simple question. If I have one Bitcoin, can I buy more Hershey bars if I have 10 Bitcoins? Which one of those two things is going to give me more Hershey bars? Of course, 10. So knowing that the value of my one Bitcoin can decrease or increase by definition is a casino. It's speculative. It's out of your control. It is a thing that you wake up to find out what's true. It's a bit like asking for the next hit in blackjack. You might get lucky. You might not get lucky. And the truth of it is, is that if more times you were lucky, a lot of people would be making a lot more from it, right? Is that that's a lie, though? I mean, as far as like, okay, let's say there's a $10 bill and you said a $10 bill worth today is the same as a $10 bill in 30 years, right? They're the same. The problem with that is, is, of course, they're not the same. It's what you'll get for those items. So you're That's saying, my point. Well, what do you mean? That So Bitcoin today is worth a Bitcoin in 30 years. 
No, it's not because the value of a Bitcoin is market driven and someone might be willing to pay $34,000 for a single Bitcoin today. Maybe maybe next week they'll only pay 5,000. You don't know. But is the value of a dollar market driven as well? Doesn't matter what the dollar is about because it's the system we don't like. It's just the system we're trapped in. We're looking at Bitcoin as if it was some great possible way to break the chain. That's the way I view this. And as an underground service, in a way it is, as underground service. But everything else I know about it, I, it won't be for me. It will never be for me. Okay. Yeah. I, mean, I, would, I would say uh, that a lot of this boils down to basic economic principles. The only things that really hold true intrinsic value are capital, goods, and services. Uh, so when we're assigning a monetary figure to those, well, that always varies depending on the market. Uh, but the things that don't is that loaf of bread. That loaf of bread always has the same value. Uh, and, and that's the important thing. So we can't really truly base uh, the worth of this particular currency uh, on the fact that it's a limited resource or in comparison with the, the dollar system we use now. Right. It's that's all the, about you know the economic end of it. So and I don't that's going to be what determines it. Yeah, and I don't look at it that way. What I think is that since it's the scarcest asset that there is, and I see it as that, that's getting, the point though. It's not really an asset. Like a, a loaf of bread is an asset. Land is an asset. Look up the uh, having ownership of this capital goods and services. Look at the definition Owning of asset. Stuff, tell me it's not an asset. Look well, at the definition. I, I understand what you're saying. I'm I'm just saying it doesn't hold a true intrinsic value, uh, per se. Neither uh, does the dollar for that. If matter. you have one right now, you can go get forty five thousand dollars for it. How does it not have value? I don't understand. Because you, well, that's you the have point. The dollar doesn't do you any good. You can't eat a yeah, dollar. You have to ignore the spiritual aspirations of a human being to claim that Bitcoin has intrinsic value. That is the problem with the entirety of the digital world. I'm not because, well, let me, let me see if I can illustrate this in a better way. You agree it's an asset, though. Let me get that straight before you. Uh, I, I will agree with you. It's an asset when you, we're looking you, at it. It's an asset. Well, let's get anything is an asset as long as somebody else finds value in it. it it's there not it Bitcoin. It's, it's anything. It's That's anything. Definition. I said, if look at the definition. If someone agrees asset. it's an asset, then okay. it's an asset. But okay. everyone does not agree that that is an asset. Everybody, My point here is consider consider this idea. Do so, five hundred years ago, someone that. someone built a cathedral, and they encoded all this reality into the cathedral of a path a human being could take, and every shred of it is based in reality, not fantasy, not nonsense, not anything. And from the point we began to move away from there, we began to enter a fantasy-based reality. It started by believing in false histories and false religions and false everything, all the way fast forward to where we are now into the digital age. The digital age is the epitome of the padlock that's gonna lock behind us for anyone who wants to fully express what it means to be a human being. And that is my biggest beef above all things besides freedom, because freedom's pretty freaking important to me. Mm -hmm. Ask Jason what I will do for freedom. Um, My point here is that this is the antithesis of that aspiration of the divine spark in a human being simply to try to get out of a system that sucks so bad we no longer have words for it. Um, but by, by every measure of what I know about it, 
I don't understand how you can distinguish it as any different from the nightly news um, until something wow. else happens in a way. Yeah, that, that I, I mean, I can't help you get past that one. Other than, I mean, if you've already said that freedom is important to you. And what Bitcoin offers you is something that's never been offered to you before. It's freedom to use finances the way you want, meaning in every single transaction that you do with Crow Funds. It's not, Jaron. It is Let a permanent record. Me. It's a permanent record of everything you've re- you've ever purchased in a blockchain tied to an address. No, that any, and yes, it How is. How does anybody know what you purchased? How does anybody know what you purchased? Because it's you have to use fun. the damn internet to use the product. Yeah, but it, there's nothing to say what you purchased. If you, if I talked to you on the phone right now and you said you want to sell me, I don't know, a, a baseball card, and I said how much, and you're like, I don't know, I'll take 10, 10 bucks, and I send you Bitcoin. There's no record that it's the baseball card we bought. It's just a record of me transferring money to you, and nobody even knows that you own that address or me. It's just between you and I. So here's the thing: in every transaction that you've ever dealt with, Crow, in anything that you've ever done, is gone through a middleman. It's the only way to do it right now, except for if you hand cash to somebody else, in which case you, that money was still printed by you know a middleman. So we can we don't have to count that. But so cash to cash, person to person transactions, set that aside. Anything else you have to go through a bank to send Jason money. You have to send it through a bank. Either it's PayPal, it's a bank. Those banks cost money. They have employees. They have land that they purchase. That money gets transferred onto us. With Bitcoin, all of a sudden, you're able to transfer money to anyone in the world. For a very, 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 very low price. You are, is, in fact, cutting out the middleman. I understand. Okay. So, when you, well, the thing that caught my ear is I'm also a big believer in freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of everything. And I look at any kind of coding on a website that's open source as freedom of speech. It's what it is. It's somebody who is coding something for everyone to see. It's a, it's a free speech platform to say whatever you want. Now, the co- computers have been programmed to run those codes. Bitcoin is that. So, somebody used their it's, free speech. It's. Okay. Yeah, I I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna have to agree to disagree. You have to use a thing called the internet to use Bitcoin. Absolutely. Who controls the internet? Do you? No. Does the Bitcoin community? No. Does anyone sane in the world? No. But corporations no, control the internet. Sure. So if they shut which down, which means they control every record, every transaction, it's, every communication, right? Yep. That is the problem that underlies no matter how genius the system is. Okay, so Monero gets rid of all that. There is no tracking of any transaction. So now you just are a fan of Monero, not Bitcoin. I mean, that's it's that simple. Does Fine. Monero use the internet to do a transaction? So does everything. How would how does how do you get? That's my one? point, Jaron. Okay, but do you use dollars today? Okay, let me take this a different way. I have a car. Hold on a second. And I, I want to go across the country in my car, Hold and on. I don't want anyone to know where I'm going. But my problem is, is I have to use the freeways that belong to the states. Okay, but hold it's on. no different. You, but you're, you use dollars today, yes? You, trans, you transact all the time. You buy gas, you buy groceries. Okay, so you use dollars. Okay. And there's huge problems with that. But it doesn't mean that you just say, that's it. I'm putting my foot down. I'm not using dollars. You still transact with it. All this is, is an introduction of a way to transact that is better than the dollar it's better for a store of value it's easier it's faster it's more accessible it's private it's freedom all those things are in it and you're stomping on it and saying i don't like it for the reasons that i don't like the dollar but yet you use the dollar no there's bigger reasons why i don't like crypto than the dollar why the dollar turned us all into slaves and they did it in a couple lifetimes by the time my grandparents were around that's where it really started to go south quick based on debt and the dollar crypto crypto is not going to become important in some peer-to-peer measure 
because the central banks have always controlled commerce and they will die before they allow control of commerce to slip their grasp. So two, one of two things has to happen here. The central banking Lord Bufu lords of everything have to keel over and die or they're going to do what they always do and they're going to make it impossible for anyone else to challenge their system. And that's when a very, the, I mean, it's a very when, the, when the people who we don't like running the fiat have crypto at that moment in time, the human species will have lost more freedom than the entirety of our existence. Right. You will need permission to buy a stick of gum and you will have to verify or own up to every other thing. In other words, go ahead and look for some extra cocaine on a street corner, because at that point, it doesn't happen unless it's okay that it's known. There's no way Bitcoin's ever going to matter, Jaron, because we have central banks. It will matter for people at a low at a low level. It will matter until it starts to dent the GDP and a lot of people are using it, at which point the central banks will say, guess what, boys? We have controlled commerce in every country that matters for hundreds of years and you're done. And it could be done so simply, they could outlaw it. They could simply just buy it all and make a bunch of rich people that they don't give a damn about. It could be done any number of ways, but my biggest beef with all of it is it's fantasy. We're, we're entering a damn world where the apple that exists that we need to live is paid for by our imagination. And then our yep. imagination is acted as if it has some intrinsic value. Well, I mean, if you saw a $100 bill on the ground and a $1 bill, you'd certainly go pick up the 100 first. Thing so, is, is as I picked up the 100, I would know what I was holding, a piece of damn paper. Right, but you still know what it has value. Whether it's fake or not, you can, it, just because it's fake doesn't mean we just say, well, I don't want hundreds anymore. I'm done with money. I'm just giving up. To me, See, your outlook is but very- But the 100 is less fake. The 100 is less fake because it exists in the world. And you can put it in your pocket, and there is an occulted aspect of knowing yeah, this. So you can put how a human mind views the world. Bitcoin um, can exist on your phone. You put your phone in your pocket. What's the difference? There What's is it? no difference. The phone is right next to crypto. Some of the worst ideas ever thought of. Yeah, but okay. So you have a phone. So I mean, that's what I'm saying. Is it while these are maybe the worst ideas ever? We have to live in this world. So you have to at least embrace something if it comes along that looks like it I might agree. be. Okay, I agree so, with that. What yeah. we should be looking for is a stable currency that is backed by intrinsic value yeah, but you've that said never that. changes its value, which has already been worked out, by the way, worked out after the 29 crash. There and why isn't it here? Why isn't because it here? The, here because, because the central bank said exactly. we can't enslave everybody with that system. Right. Exactly. Okay. With Bitcoin, you had somebody who created the same kind of idea that operates outside of the of the banks. Now, you're no, right. they don't. No, they don't. This is regulated. As well, this began to pick up steam. We talked about this. It, it's regulated. Well, like how can you out. say it's free of a system that's issuing licenses, Jaron? Because those people are dealing with money. And in this country, to deal with money, you need to have a financial license. So if somebody's going to take cash for Bitcoin, it's no different than if you run a MoneyGram or a Western Union or one of these places. You're going to have to file all these reports and be known to the government so that you don't basically uh launder money through your organization that's why they do that now again well, there's the bitcoin is asking yeah bitcoin is asking permission to exist the moment that these people are getting licensed and that doesn't change 
in your description until the dollar goes away. That's those people's choices. What I'm saying is if I wanted to start my own business where I'm like, I want to buy and sell Bitcoin to people, right? Well, if I want to exist in this country and I don't want to go to jail for it and I don't want to get taxed, you know, or then my only option is to go get licensed for it. That's not saying anything about Bitcoin. That's saying something about me. That's saying that money is so important to me that trading Bitcoin is so important that I want to go get licensed by the government and operate within their but system. The That's not gives Bitcoin. them, but the regulatory thing that has just happened there gives them the power to affect the sway of what those people are engaged in. Sure, but that has nothing to do with Bitcoin. That has to do but with that. The- also gives them the power to say, "Hey, you guys are breaking the law. We're the licensing board." So all you people who don't have licenses and don't give a shit about the FCC or whoever's doing it, um, guess what? We're saying this is illegal now. Now well, what? They already do that. They already do that. I mean, they've arrested many. I know. Improper financial. Uh, you know, you're running a money, a money, a money, a money exchange business without a license. So yeah. So I get that. But here's it's my a- point. I see that it will always be that way. It'll always be here. That's what happens when you live in this stupid, you know, country and the government the way it is. You're basically saying because the government is so overbearing in the way that they run the banks and the way that they've enslaved us all, that you're saying anything that ever comes up that's made by people will get smashed down eventually. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying where we currently are um, is where we currently are. And right now we live under the yoke of central banks. Okay, good. And you said if anything ever rivals them or goes up against them, they will smash. Now, right now. Yep. Until they either die or get their teeth yanked out. Yeah, that's the way it's going to be. And that is why when we turn on the news, every channel says the same thing because they own it all. We know that we're on the same page. That's that's how COVID happened. Right. So how would you kill the central bank? Think about it. How would you kill them? Because guess what? Number one, there's an easy way. If we all stop transacting in dollars tomorrow, the central bank would die. And if there's another coin that we could use or another monetary system, then that would be one way to do it. Now, again, I realize that that's impossible. I'm not even making that claim as like, oh, this is possible because I get why most people in this country operate in a certain way. They do whatever the news tells them. If the news told them tomorrow that Bitcoin was illegal, half the people who have it would sell it. If the news told everybody we have part canine genes in us, they would all go to you know, PetSmart and buy some dog food. That's how dumb people are who watch the news. There's people who exist outside the news that want to transact with each other, that want to bank privately, that can use Bitcoin. And it's it does give them freedom. It's given me freedom. It's given other. I could have more freedom than I can imagine if I would have just thought like I do now back then. So that's the difference. Is that where you what you guys are saying now is kind of what I was saying in 2013. So in eight years from now, so give it 2030, when Bitcoin is worth a ton, and it will be, you're gonna look back and you're gonna feel like I feel right now. First, is, first of all, that's a assertion you can never back up. You don't have a crystal ball. It's designed to be true, but that does not make it true. It's the scarcest asset in the world, okay, that is easily transferred, completely protected. It can, it's private. It goes without any banks. It goes without any central government. And that alone tells me that it will be worth something. How do I know that? Well, because it's always been the same and it was worth nine cents in 2011 and a dollar in 2012 and 60 in 2012. We're talking so, about yeah. We're talking about a thing that's been around for a decade, right? Okay, well, I'm not gonna, not yeah. a long track record to be making bold statements about the future of a thing. Well, what I mean is that it's value. I don't mean by dollars either, because it doesn't matter what the dollar is. I mean the dollar could crash tomorrow. It doesn't matter to me. That's why if somebody says what's it going to be worth in twenty years, I could never 
give you that dollar amount. That's ridiculous to me. I don't even know what that is. But it will be worth a Bitcoin. What I mean by that is there's only 21 million. And I don't know why that's uh, hard for people to grasp. There's 7.7 billion people on Earth. And there's an item, there's an asset out there that there's only 21. So it'd be the same thing if there was 21 million ounces of gold. And that was it. And I was telling you about that. And I said, hey, there's only 21 million. There'll only be 21 million, meaning that there can never be more. And it can't be counterfeited. Now, right now with gold, so easy to counterfeit. People get had on that all the time. You can buy it off eBay. It comes in a little assay case. You put it away, and for 20 years, you'll think it's real. It's not. Okay, so with Bitcoin, it's impossible. You can't have a counterfeited Bitcoin. So there's 21 million. We know that a million of them are gone forever, and the fact that it's in those first wallets nobody's ever touched, they're just stuck there. We know that there's an estimate of about 2 to 3 million that's been lost. Because this is what happened to people who were had it at the beginning. It wasn't worth anything. If you had 10,000 Bitcoin and they were worth a penny, you didn't care. You threw your computer away. You threw your hardware hard drive away. Now we get to this point and those people want to kill themselves. But those coins are gone forever. They can never. And they be- wouldn't be feeling that way without money. Because yeah. what they're mad about is the fiat they could have had had they still held on to that Bitcoin. There's no sure. separating the value of the two right now. Not right now, but there is in the fact that, okay, so with, with Dave Weiss making a bet to me and he paid me in Bitcoin, we did separate the, the fiat. There's no fiat involved there. Now, it was a $200 bet, so we said $200, right, instead of 0.001 or whatever the Bitcoin would be. So I get that part. But what I'm saying is I don't need to cash it out, and Dave didn't need to go pay for it to have it. He had it. I had it. We tra- He traded to me. He paid me off in a bet for that. So... If I want to pay Jason for services rendered, if he's going to come over here and fix my mixer or something, and I pay him in Bitcoin, sending it to him for his value worked, then it becomes a monetary system. It becomes money. But again, if, as soon as you start thinking, oh, how do I get money for this? How am I going to get cash? Then it becomes something totally different. My, my problem is, is, to me, it seems like when you're talking about the value of something in the future, I would look, first of all, for something that I know is never going to increase. Okay, so putting a dollar or a hundred dollars under my bed, I know it will never be worth more than it is today. Ever. Now you're talking my language. Okay, so we know that. So let's go, let's take it step by step. We both know we can't put a hundred dollars under our bed. It does nothing. It'll never be worth more. But there is something that you can possibly put under your bed that's a hundred dollars today that will be worth more in a little while. And that's, okay, let's say it's Bitcoin. Now you could tell me, but Jaron, it could go down as well. I get that. Okay, it could go down. But so far, what we've seen is if you look at a year-by-year basis, in fact, everybody should set on their alarm right now on their phone, put an alarm for February 10th, 2022, one year from today, and check the price of Bitcoin versus today. Okay, and I'll be dead wrong. If it's lower than it is today, then I'll be wrong. I'll tell you why it will not be lower than it is today, because they keep printing money. So if you think about that, even if its value didn't move, it would be worth more dollars because dollars will increase. They're putting more into the system. They're sending out more stimulus checks. So even when you, if you, that does the opposite to the dollar. If we put $100 under our pillow and they put print more money, the $100 under the pillow loses value. When you have something that's an asset like Bitcoin and they print more money, it, it increases its value. It increases its value. Now, again, you might say, well, the money buys the same thing because they printed more. I get that. I'm just telling you that there's one kind of money in this world that goes one direction, and there's one that goes the complete opposite direction. Everything that Bitcoin is is the opposite of the dollar. So it's the opposite. It's completely different. One's got an inflationary set into it. One's deflationary. Uh, one is based on debt. One is, is the complete opposite of debt. There's, you can't, you, there is no debt in Bitcoin. There's no such thing. There's no negatives. 
<clears throat> there's no negatives in Bitcoin. There's so many things that there's the opposite of the dollar. So when you have 21 million of something, like I said, 3 million has been lost. Okay. There's only been 18.5 released. So you got 18.5 minus 3, 15.5 minus the 1 uh, million that Satoshi has. We're down to 14.5 million coins. What I'm telling people is for something like that, I would do everything in my power if I could to get one. Now I've told people 0.25, but one to me, if you've got one of something that there's only 14.5 million of in the world and everybody who's got one considers it an asset because it's got value to them. It has value. It's a, uh, you can pay commitments, you can pay debts with it to each other. Right. Then to me, that seems like a brilliant purchase. I just realized that if I put $10,000, uh, let's say, like I said, Bitcoin's 45,000 today. If I put $45,000 in my closet or in a bank and I think that that will in any way have any chance of ever being useful to my son in 18 years when he turns 18, excuse me, then I'm wrong. That in 18 years, there's zero chance that that $45,000 buys him anything. Maybe it buys him a, uh, I wouldn't know, you know what's going to be like in 20 years, maybe a car, a shitty car. I don't know. You know, everything goes up in price. Probably $45,000 will not be much. But if that Bitcoin being the scarcest asset that there is and being something that has intrinsic or not intrinsic, but, but something that's an asset and people consider it to have value. And that has a chance of being worth something more than it is now. Then I don't see a problem with buying it, storing it, especially when you can do so privately. I mean, there's no way for me to store $45,000 somewhere privately. Now I could put it in my attic, put it in my floorboards and it'd be a bunch of cash. That's true. But I need to recognize. I, I'll make a prediction, Jaron. I just looked at the charts uh, for Bitcoin value. There's a bubble going on right now. I predict that in the next few months that bubble's going to pop. Looks like it happened before in 2017 when the value jumped to about 19, 19,500 19, ish was mm -hmm. the big jump in 2017. Um, these bubbles, when you see these charts, like I've looked at them on fiat and silver and gold. Um, I predict that the bubble will pop. Now, am I right? I could be wrong, but my experience with all these other forms of volatile currencies that don't retain their value, uh, when they leap up like this, this is how people get in trouble. They go for the pie in the sky. It is a little different, as you keep <laughs> pointing out, with the limited resources and what it takes to acquire more. Um, Here's but, what I'm saying, is that when I'm talking about putting Bitcoin away for my son in 20 years, is if I think of everything as a bubble, then and I think about selling, and I think about how I'm going to make a profit, that's gambling. That's not what I'm doing. I'm talking about securing an asset for the future. Meaning, if it is a bubble, and it pops tomorrow, and it goes down to 23000 I still know that in 18 years, it's going to be worth more than I bought it for. And you, you can't you don't, that. you don't know that. There's well, no way to know that. That's not, that's not a factual statement that can be backed up with logic. It's just okay. not, man. Uh, if there's only 21 million of an asset. You don't know if Bitcoin's going to exist till the end of 2021, for that matter, or the end of this week. Sure, I don't we, know. But you know, when you looked at the last 10 years or 11 years or 12 years, and nobody's even come close to touching it, why would I ever make an assumption it won't be here at the end of this year. That would be an absolute insane, insane I'm prediction. I'm not making the assumption. What I'm saying no, is said, there's no way I... you can look that many years in, in the future and be assured that there will be more value than you currently hold on a thing. Well, look, well, guys, we're, we're way over. The, the, I... the United States may not even exist then. <laughs> yeah, well, that, there you go. With, what does that have to do with Bitcoin? Well, you might need a computer to plug into a wall somewhere. 
Well, the United States isn't con- in control of computers. I mean, there'd be other countries you could go to there. It's no, always but they are kind of in control of the food supply and our ability to move around. So if and, we do the loincloth thing for a while, it might be hard to use Bitcoin. That's true. If they take everybody's computer down, we have a lot bigger problems is what I'm saying. If Let's say, like I said, if I, I put the 10,000 under my bed or whatever and the internet goes down, it's not really going to be much better than if it's on my phone or if it's in Bitcoin. Oh, wow, Jason. We, we are way over, and I got an episode to get out by a minute. I, I'll tell you what, Jerome. We, we can agree to disagree. I'm with you, I think, and I hope I hope you cash in big. I really do, truly do. Well, but for me, for me, out. the way that I've, I've valued out my personal existence, uh, Bitcoin will never be viewed as an asset, nor will anything digital, ever. Um, to the point, well, I won't get into it. We're way over. But go ahead, Jason. I, I didn't realize we were that far over. Right. Well, there's there's a topic I'd really like to get to, and that's it's not just about Bitcoin itself, but about cryptocurrencies in general. And how does this tie in with the transhuman movement? Because we know that that's the direction the people at the top want to take things, that they're all about becoming these, these digital gods. And this is where Wayne can probably chime in on some stuff. I just want to know, from the way things are right now, what could be done with them to tie this in with the transhumanist movement? You have a wallet in your head. <laughs> well, <laughs> things are definitely joke. going that way. Wayne, what do you think? Wayne, Wayne bailed. Oh, did he drop off? Yeah, he had. Uh, he said something came up. Looking, looking Skype. Oh, I haven't been watching the Skype chat. That's a bummer. Well, do, do you, Jaron, do you know anything about it <clears throat> that that uh, that we could talk about there before we sign off? I mean, I, I just separate the two completely. But I mean, I, I recognize that everything is going digital. We we saw that a while back, and there is no stopping that, uh, whether we want to or not. I mean, you know, somebody could have fought email when it came out, and it's too bad that everybody's used email at this point. And you could have fought putting photos online, and you could have fought using a phone, and you could have fought loading videos and all these things. But most people have realized that those things are coming uh, regardless. There's no way to stop that. So the next logical thing. Uh, would have had to been did money. And now, again, they did it early with the money that they've created, um, and they had to have some sort of protection for it, so they used banks, right? The bank is in charge of making sure you are who you say you are and that you, uh, when you deposit it is your account and that when you withdraw it is you. So that's how they control um, that. So digital money was just something that was uh, a pipe dream for a little while because they said it's too easy to copy, too easy to counterfeit, and too easy to hack. Somebody came along said, hey, maybe this will work, and it's gone off from there. So leaving that alone, when you're talking about the transhumanist movement, to me, it's this idea of, um, you know, the Neuralink, the uh, Elon Musk, this whole we can control you from inside your mind, and we can put these blockchain uh, inserts in the vaccines and things like that. And all that stuff is definitely a direction that they can go. I'm sure that they can already do embeddable tattoos or ink tattoos or, you know, kind of like a barcode on your skin, and you become nothing more than this cyborg kind of slave. Um, I think that all that stuff is is what they want to go towards. I think it's fantasy to think that we will ever upload consciousness uh, to a computer of any kind like that. Uh, I think it's something they want to. Yeah, this is something we've talked about actually. Consciousness, no, but they are convinced right. that they can duplicate data. As you mean in, like they can, they can Well, they can do like brain tapes. Is a, is a term that was used uh, in the old cyberpunk era. Oh. Can't but, they already do that? <laughs> well, it wouldn't surprise me, to be honest with you. I mean, this Neuralink thing is, is getting there. What I'm what I'm kind of getting at here is, do you see this technology 
uh, the way it stands right now, and it's fine for what it's being used for. I, I totally see both of your point of views. It really all depends upon the circumstances, and that's what it comes down to. I always try and look at things from the most common sense point of view. Right now, Bitcoin and other cryptos can work as you're saying, Jaren. They can, and they do. That's no problem. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. What I'm kind of no, curious about I is where is this going to go? I see, I see, you know, Crow's point big time. And the reason why is because I was in that place for a while, even though as a writer, I was writing about it. And I, even as a writer, I saw problems with it. And I said, oh, this is a problem. This is a problem. Oh, hackers are going to use it. Oh, it's not safe. Oh, it's not going to grow in value. So I had all the same beef. But none, but, none of those things are my beef. Right. At so all. No. And if your beef is simply that anything that ever comes is going to be squashed and your your thing is you just don't want to ever deal with digital money even though i'm sure you have an atm card and i'm sure you have a credit card so you've already adopted some digital uh, end of this uh, to just stomp your foot on this one for no reason other than i, I don't really know well first of all i have a degree in internet technology and secondarily i would say this in 2013 i wrote the about page on crow777radio.com mm -hmm. it was blatantly clear to me where we were headed and what was going to happen so in 2013, that was well before the censorship had hit us. And there I am. The page is still there. Anyone can go look at it, written in 2013, predicting that the totality of what we're about to head into was based on whether we could have free speech or not. My main beef is wrapped up in this. And some people may get it. Some people may not. There's an old story that's told that when the Indians first were approached and white guys wanted to take pictures with them, they said, don't take my picture. You're stealing part of my soul. There's where my beef is. What the Indians were actually trying to communicate doesn't translate so easily into English, but what they were trying to communicate is the truest freaking thing you will ever be told, and we've lost track of it. Um, the movie The Gods Must Be Crazy, the opening of that movie, is a good explanation between the Bushmen and what we did, what we all did. Um, I'm interested in getting back. I'm not interested in coming here a thousand more times. I'm not interested in all these things. That is my beef. And it's not per se with value or hackability or any other thing. It's with <clears throat> what a human being can be. And that's all based in reality. And everything digital is a freaking fugazi from my point of view. No, and that's true. I mean, I can't even disagree with that statement. The difference is, is that if there's any way that I could ever... Um, do something today to help me in the future. I would like to take advantage of that if possible. And I don't mean help as far as I don't ever want to be rich. I don't ever want to be, um, you know, have have some big you know, property and all these. I just want to be comfortable. I just want to not have to worry this month about how I'm going to make enough to live next month. I, I'm with you. I'm yeah, with you. We're we're in hard times and and being when you're poor, it's the only thing that matters, right? Absolutely. And I told people before, I would never I would never recommend somebody. Let's say you've got a bunch of money in savings, $45,000 in savings. I would never recommend that you ever go buy a Bitcoin because like Crow said, it could be gone tomorrow. So w w all I'm trying to get across to people is if there is some money that you feel like you're wasting in your life, and there was in my life that maybe it was you know, going out here or there, doing so, going to a movie, whatever it was. And, extra cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> little, little top off for the end of the week. No, at the end of – if you're doing that and at the end of the week you've got 20 bucks or 30 bucks or 50 bucks – I don't think there's a problem with saying, hey, you know what I'm going to do for a while is I'm just going to put that away in Bitcoin just because there's a chance. And if here's the other way of looking at it. This is why I don't even know. If you ask me how much I own right now, I would say I don't know. 
because when I buy it, I send it to a wallet and I never look at what's in that wallet. And there's a reason because I don't want to look at it and say, oh, I've got, you know, 0.6 Bitcoin, let's say, or whatever. And when the price drops next week or something happens, I don't want to say, oh, I just lost $4,000. Oh, I just I want to think of it that way. I have 0.6 Bitcoin. doesn't matter what the price goes to. I've got 0.6 Bitcoin. In my mind, when you're looking down the road at something that's a scarce asset, if it maintains like it has been and it continues to not be hacked, that I think that value will go up. That's all that my point is, is that uh, by putting it away, not paying attention to the price, when it drops, I don't have to think I just lost this much or I just made this much. All I think to myself is, oh, hopefully that rebounds, right? I mean, if I saw the price go to 20000 tomorrow, I'd be like, oh, hopefully that you know comes back up, which I think it would. And so by doing that, it's the only way that I can ever possibly even imagine me doing something today that's a small kind of gesture, small little activity that has a potential of down the road. And how do I know that? Simply because if I would have thought the way I'm telling you right now, in 2013, I could be retired today. The problem was I didn't think that way. In fact, I thought like a gambler does. I've watched that guy, Robert Kawasaki, a bunch of times talk, and he's really taught me that our problem, and this is how they keep us enslaved, is they teach us to think about things like an employee and to think about things like a gambler to where if we ever buy something for 200 bucks and its value goes to 400, we sell. We're so happy to make that 200 bucks because it's 200 more than we had and we feel very good about that. That's what keeps people poor is a small-minded mindset of I'm going to buy $1,000 worth of Bitcoin and it went up to 2,000, I'm going to cash out. Does nothing for your life, did absolutely zero for you, didn't do anything. If people who get rich think large scale, they go buy a property for you know $50,000 that's 10 miles outside of town and everybody looks at them like this idiot, would he pay 50,000 for that property? And then 11 years down the road, that town has expanded and now all of a sudden there's some grocery store that's willing to buy that property for 13 million. That person just got rich because they thought ahead. My problem is I don't make enough money to think ahead at all. I don't make any money. I barely have enough money to pay my bills each month. But at the end of the month, if I've got an extra 100 bucks and I've got options of what I can do, I can go buy something I don't need. I can take my wife somewhere. There's not a lot of things that I can do with it. There, nothing's going to give me any return. However, there is something as of right now that I can put that $100 in that maybe in 20 years there's a payoff for it that I'll look back and say, wow, I'm really happy I did that. I'm at a place today where I look back in 2013 and I'm like, fucking idiot. Why didn't I think ahead long term? I, I didn't need to I didn't need to live off that Bitcoin. I could have worked at McDonald's, could have worked at Taco Bell and made minimum wage and been able to support myself and my wife. And with just nine years down the road, or actually 2013 now, eight years down the road, I could be retired, have two million bucks and and be in fine shape. I could even go cash out at a place that's financially controlled and when the government says oh you made two million dollars we're gonna tax you uh, you know four hundred thousand here here's your four hundred thousand i'm taking my 1.6 and i'm gonna go buy a house and i'm gonna live comfortably the rest of my life the only thing i needed to do to make that decision was to think ahead of time think long term rather than oh i doubled up oh i doubled up so there's a lot of people in bitcoin right now that think that way they think they're gonna buy in at forty five thousand, and when it gets to ninety they they're gonna double up that's fine if you want to do that go ahead i'm just telling people there's other options. There's ways that you can put money in a wallet that nobody knows is yours, that you can keep forever, you can pass on to your children, and you can make it a college fund. You know, Don't send them to college. Like a college fund. Anyway, it's all a matter of like looking long-term. Now, again, Crow's right. It could be in five years, boom, the government comes, squashes it, somehow turns off the internet or whatever. And if that happens, I'll be able to look at it. I'll be like, well, I gave it a shot, and I don't even know how much money I lost. And it wasn't that much. I was spending 25, 50 bucks a month putting money into Bitcoin, putting it into this wallet. And so I spend it as if it's gone. 
That's the way I buy Bitcoin. As soon as I buy it, I don't even look at the price, buy it, throw it to that wallet, and it's gone. I pretend like I lost it. And my hope is down the road in 20 years, maybe I can look back and be like, finally, I made a good decision for myself and my family. And if I didn't, well, I get I get shit on by life quite often. And this would just be another one of those instances. But there's just not a lot of other ways I've ever seen a possibility of getting ahead. I know that I'll never put money in a bank and it will make any money for me. I realize what, you know, Jason, I think you and I were talking about the other day where I realized what people with money can do. It's so easy. I mean, if you had a million bucks and you bought a coin that today's a dollar and it went up to a dollar six tomorrow, Mm -hmm. you could sell and you made 60,000 bucks. Hey, let's talk about that for a second because what it was is I sent you a message and I said, you know, this almost seems too easy, but could you hypothetically Find a coin that looks like it, it. people might might actually give a shit about it. Buy it. Let's say it's a penny right now. Buy it for a penny. I, I take $1,000. Buy it for a penny. It goes up to two cents. Did I just double my money minus the, the, the transaction fees? Hypothetically, the answer is yes, but you have to know what it is to, to look for in the first place. Well, then again, I think just what you described is exactly what I'm saying is the problem. That's That's working like a gambler. That's somebody trying to go double their money at a casino. It will not change your life. It will not make a difference today. It will not make a difference tomorrow. I mean, sure, you'll have an extra thousand bucks. You'll be able to go on a vacation and buy a hotel or something. But uh, what I'm talking about is th- is an opportunity to um, have a store of value that can increase exponentially. Oh, I agree uh, with you. To, uh, the reason why I was yeah. asking that was, do these things happen? Like, I, I was trying to learn about all, crypto in general. All, I was, it was more like a hypothetical, like, is that is that do these things happen that often or was but was not, bitcoin kind of the no. rare one no no there's there is that happens a lot but i mean not like so a coin that's a penny would not have the kind of liquidity that you could go spend a million on it right you know what i'm saying like there's not enough for sale uh that's why you know as soon as you start buying it too it's probably going to drop the price uh a little bit so with bitcoin yeah sure you could buy a million dollars worth but some coins there just wouldn't be that kind of liquidity but if you're talking about a thousand yeah sure of every coin possibly out there you could buy a thousand today and it would be the timing you'd have to get the timing right and again many people kind of get scared so if you bought a thousand dollars worth at a you know five cents and then the next day it went down to two and a half cents you'd like flip and be like oh i better cash out and just you know suck up my losses a lot of people do that they don't uh they don't realize well there's a chance that that comes back give it some time give it a year give it two years and Crow was right when I said that if anybody lost money, it's because of you know them selling. He's right, though. People have lost money with Mt. Gox. People have sent it to the wrong address. People have lost passwords. People have given it to scam well, artists. That's a pop. 2017, a bubble popped. I'm predicting that what you see right now is a bubble. I predict this will pop, too. Okay, but look at the price in 2017 and tell me if it's worth more today. So then when the bubble pops today, then talk to me in 2024 when it's way higher than it is. So bubbles pop. No, no, I agree with you, but that's not the issue. The issue is that the price fluctuates at all for me. Um, We're just playing a game at that point. But what difference does it make if the price is better in three years? The difference is made because when I go out to the field and I see a tree, I know the value of that tree was the same on the day it became a tree and on the day it stops being a tree. That's why it matters and that's what we've lost track of. And so I get that we need retirements and I get that people are getting older and they're worried, how am I going to exist? I get all that and I don't have, I don't take umbrage with anyone who wants to get some Bitcoin. But mm-hmm. for me, it goes beyond that. Um, at the point where I didn't have to be worried about being dirt poor all the time, I quit caring about money. Yeah, if oh, you don't believe me, ask, yeah. ask Jason. 
Um, yeah. so, I, would, I, would, I would agree with you. If I ever had that happen to me, then I would be in the same boat. Well, uh, that pay, would be, you know, uh, my benchmark's not high. Pay my bills and my rent and have some food. There's, you know, exactly. there's my benchmark. <laughs> I've got an extremely low benchmark, very, very low. Uh, and that's that's the same thing. If, I, if my rent was paid and my bills were paid and that's it, I would be ecstatic. I'm not there. I've got to work for all that, right? But, I mean, once you... Um, I don't know. Like I said, I, I I would like opportunities to get to a point, especially when you do what we do. We don't have 401k. We don't have retirement. Right. Uh, so I do think, Crow, if somebody came to you and said, um, hey, if you know, if you buy this thing for ten thousand dollars today, um, there is a potential that in 20 years you can do quite a lot with that. Um, and if they were to, you know, I, re I realize that nobody would ever be able to give you that assurance. Right. There's no way that you could ever be assured that that was true. But I think if you looked into Bitcoin, you would realize that there's nothing else that well, even can, comes close. That's not true. Silver, easy schmeasy. You can know the amount that's being mined in the world. You can know it's one of the main things in technology. You can know that currently we experience ongoing inflation. Um, so that is a much safer deal because there's intrinsic value regardless of what happens. Hmm. But the point is, is we also know places like China have cornered the technology market so they're gonna have to try to hoard all those resources you can look up right now how much silver was mined in the world so the bet on silver if you're gonna hold a thing for like retirement I don't understand how you choose one over the other unless it was just about what? volume well look at if you have ten thousand dollars see what ten thousand dollars in silver would have done in 2005 versus today and look what ten thousand dollars in Bitcoin would do in 2005 versus today and you'd you realize be, you, you'd be pretty rich because in 2005 silver was probably down. I'd have to look, but below twelve dollars, I think. And right now it's above thirty. Yeah, it was about twelve dollars. So you're yeah. talking about doubling your money. And if think about when Bitcoin was two thousand dollars in 2018, if you just bought Bitcoin then ten thousand worth, you would have uh, five times that today. Right now, so you've had you've had two 20, real big bubble spikes in the existence that I saw in the chart. One was in 2017 went up to 19,005 and then bottomed out quickly. So you know a lot of people got hurt there. Um, and the other thing I would mention well, is my feeling, my feeling about the bubble hurt. that's currently, if you look at the trajectory of the graph, it almost certainly corresponds with the year 2020. And that too is artificial. So where I'm confused though is when you say a lot of people got hurt. So for instance, if people bought today at 45,000, right? So a couple of people buy at 45,000. Because as it, it's exactly what you said, as it starts to climb, they get, you know, pies in their eyes and they start buying at a high price. Yeah, but to be fair, climbing, Crow, that climbing. could be That's true of, of, of oil speculation or stocks. It uh, is. It, it's all, it's all the same thing, really. Because it, it, right. it's Casino. being viewed as a day trading kind of thing. And that's all. And you can get burned on anything that you invest in, and then it goes south. Or if you're right. like the elite, you can buy whatever the fuck you want because you've got hold. trillions and hold on and wait because you're going to manipulate the market anyway, but that's beside I, the point. Yeah, I, but actually, wait. the elite don't risk, though. There's no risk for the elite at that level. There's risk for us. We play in casinos. Right, but I'm just saying in general, like taking out the, the fact that they manipulate things. If you can play the long game like Jeremy was saying earlier, and this isn't about Bitcoin, this is about anything. If something is like Coca-Cola or Apple computers, like the, the kinds of things that always are going to have some kind of value in, in modern society as it stands now anyway, it's going to go up, it's going to go down. So if you're just looking to day trade, even if your day trading is every three months or so, you can still get your ass handed to you with bad decisions. 
And and yes. the coin thing is still the same concept. Well, the majority of people do, or else everyone would be rich. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah exactly. Math. I'm exactly. trying to teach a new, a new way of thinking. I'm trying to tell people that we don't need to think like that. And if you do, you can think like that. You certainly can do whatever you want. But if you do, you'll always be in the position you are today. That's all. That you're never going to change your 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 world. And all, the only reason that Bitcoin even is like on my radar now is because I saw what happened to me and I realized my mistake. My mistake was simply thinking on a very limited basis, not thinking ahead and doubting the technology behind Bitcoin. The doubts that I had about it have been corrected by people's innovations. And that that slaps me across the face because it's not government innovations. It's not bullshit that they've done. It's actual people like you, you and know. I. You don't know who created it. I do know. You, isn't it going to be an eye opener if you find out that Satoshi was a central bank agent? What difference does that make? He wrote a white paper and made a code that I can read. I don't understand what you mean. What could possibly be in the code that would matter that he worked for the banks? Just that it could go belly up, that they could turn it off, like something like that. I know what Crow's getting at. Or, because or, it's an or intangible maybe that thing. the central banks have the cleverest mofos in the world with freaking IQs that can't even be measured by standard charts. So the idea that you and I smoking pot half our lives are going to figure out their long game is no, laughable. Um, if no, you found I, out they were central agents of the bank, they would have been doing that for a reason. Right. And the lie of Satoshi would just me, if it was up to me to read the code and me to understand it, then I wouldn't, then I wouldn't make those claims. The thing is, everybody can read it. All the companies out there that are innovating off Bitcoin. That's, that's well, not what I'm given to understand. What do you mean? How do you think they're writing code for it? How do you think they're... How do you I just, think like a week ago, I had this conversation with people who were in gold markets who accurately predicted the fall of fiat to 2020, who were saying that the, the Bitcoin, the source code that created it, only something like 15% has been expressed in the public. I'll look. I'll look to see if I can get more on it. And I'll, I'll send it would, to you. Yeah. If I found that out, then I would sell what I have. I would get out. If you're talking about if there's a chance that they could have just written in the code that all the coins will be transferred to somebody else on some date, um, I just realized that there's nobody else who would be doing anything with Bitcoin if that were true. None of these companies would be in it. They would all be out. Uh, the, the reason that people are getting involved and the reason people are innovating is because they can read the paper and they agree with it. They agree with the, the code, people coding around it. Uh, I know a guy that's coded a coin himself. Um, it didn't do real well. But, you know, he, he was able to create his own coin. He was the first kind, one to kind, smart Kind control. of reminds me of the PC thing, Jerry. We all use PCs for years and years and years till we find out that the government mandated a backdoor be written into every operating system. Yes. Um, these are, you know, you can think you know what you know, but when it starts on a lie, and you, you could argue it's not a lie, but in my eyes it's a lie. If you're not going to identify who created this thing that's become important, I have a problem. And it's a problem that's not going away from me. You invented a name. You don't take ownership of it. You surreptitiously, you know, hand off this code, whether or not you knew the guy. I'm not buying into that. When a car is made in our world, you know who the engineer was. You know who his team was. You know what color it is. There's, there's something you can have a little bit of faith in. And um, if he wasn't, if you didn't know about him, but you were able to look at the entire blueprints of that car, then it wouldn't matter to me who made the car. Who came it would with. matter to me because I know that there are people that are infinitely smarter than I will ever be. And I am not a vindictive person who figures out traps for people. So I'm probably not very good at undermining a trap that's been set for me because my mind doesn't work in that way. Yeah, but I'm if, you get a dark, if you get a dark genius 
that's dead set on hosing everybody. Um, <laughs> I'm just, just saying, no, if, it's not, if it's not above board and in the light of day, then from the get-go, I've already got issues. But I would urge you again, read my about page on Crow Triple Seven Radio. I wrote that in 2013. And then go look up when when censorship hit us. I'm pretty good at reading where the tea leaves are going to take us, and it's all based on one simple idea. Corporation can never just sit the hell down and shut up and make money. They always got to go further. And when they've gone too far, guess what? They got to go further. Um, that's so the rule of life. I, yeah. If we would have had this conversation in 2010, and you would have been saying the same things, and then today came along, and we were having this conversation. I hope you'd recognize that you wouldn't have the same opinion. So because you're looking at it now, you have one opinion. But you haven't that, looked that's at That's not true. I looked at it okay. from the onset of when it came around. I've actually known people. Um, Jason has a common friend of mine that's very good at making money, and he so made it, decent money in crypto. Mm-hmm. In 2010, are you saying you would have guessed that it would be worth 45000 I would have said crypto is a terrible idea, and anything digital that further infiltrates our lives as our main operating options is a terrible idea and it's not just because That's, i mean i would crypto. be i would be I would, not to be upset but if i listened to you in 2010 and you said all that and then i came to today and realized oh shit i could have gotten rich and retired and been happy with my family and been really comfortable and been able to do all these shows i do for free and be able to do tests because i could have paid for them and then i look back and i'm like why did i listen to crow when he told me crypto is going to be nothing when 10 years later, I, I didn't say that it's going to be nothing. I said it's a terrible idea. A terrible there's a big idea. difference there. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that are terrible ideas. I mean, th- that we still can use. I mean, you know, I mean, there's still a, a gun is a terrible idea, but there's times when you're going to need one. You might need one. I think it's a good thing when somebody breaks into my house. But it's I'm just saying that there's sometimes you have to look at things and say, OK, well, what is the hurt here? What What could possibly happen? And when I look at that. If there was somebody who coded it backdoor, the government was involved, or the central banks, they wouldn't create something that I could have wrote a couple articles about in 2013 and 2020 have become a, a multimillionaire. They, they did, why would they do that? Who else, when, does, when, is the, when have they ever done that? They, they don't care if multimillionaires are made. They make them and break them left and right. It's a numbers game. As long as the majority of people struggle to meet right. the basic requirements, then they are winning. Um, but what's going on now is they're getting everyone on the government tit with all their free handout money Absolutely. and their idea, their idea that, no, nah, maybe we'll just give people universal income. Right. Um, that's just out. slavery by a different name, isn't it? You want bread Absolutely. this year? Do what we say or you won't get your check. And I'm trying to prevent that. So that's what I'm trying to stay away from is I know already when I make. I can't be done with crypto from my point of view, but I got to get going here, guys. We, yeah, me too. I'm already late getting the episode out. All right, it was fun. Let me, you know, call me back if you guys ever want to talk more. If you get that code that says 15%, I would love to see that. And I get your opinion. Um, and we can agree to disagree. And, you know, and, and I won't be in that worth, worse of shape if in 10 years that money I've been putting in it goes away. Um, you know, I'll say, oh, you were right, Crow. And if it doesn't go that way and it goes the other way, I think owning a certain percentage of the, you know, the most scarce asset there is uh, will pay off. We'll see. Only time will tell. Only time will tell. That's a fact. 
Well, interesting conversation, guys, for sure. Thank you so much. I know, Jaron, you got we, we. I didn't intend for this to be this way, but it kind of turned into a defensive thing from your point of view, and, and you definitely took that really well. Uh, I kind of wanted to get into more of the whole blockchain thing as a technology in general, not just focus specifically on Bitcoin. Unfortunately, we didn't go there, so maybe we can do this again. But I, okay. you know, one of the, my my big things that I'm in, very much interested in, besides social engineering, is transhumanism, and I think that the blockchain technology as a whole has a lot to do with the transhumanist movement that these people are pushing for. So maybe we could talk about that again at some point in the future. Yeah, it'd be good to, to hear your thoughts, because I do think the blockchain is something that, you know, we're five years away from every single person being pretty connected to that blockchain. So, um, you know, again, can that be used for bad? Yeah, of course, they're going to bring the Internet of Things and they're going to hook everything up and they're going to know exactly how much you weigh and whether you, how much you have in the fridge and you're going to get social credit points for doing certain things. Um, that's all going to happen, and they are going to intertwine all these things. I think, though, in order for those things to take place that we know is going to happen, the Internet's going to stay here. So to go the route of, I don't like Bitcoin because of the Internet, and they could shut it down, and who's in charge of it? Well, we have to look at the way things are trending. What is trending is this idea of turning everything onto the Internet and being able to use the Internet no matter where you're at, and every phone and every smartwatch and smart band and you know, uh, Fitbit. So if that's the way we're going, then the use of digital currencies will become easier. It'll flow better. It will. You will be able to use Bitcoin at a grocery store. You will be able to use it to get your hair cut. We're five years away from that in my mind. Um, and again, these are all predictions. I could be wrong. Where am I getting those predictions from? Simply because I remember my thinking process back in 2013, and I've changed that thinking process when it comes to Bitcoin, only because the people doing messing with it are people like you and I. They're just people who are trying to make it better. I've seen some of the wallets that have come out very nice, uh, looked into some of these companies and seen what they're about. They're just people that are developing and building off of you know existing structures. So the transhumanist movement is definitely going to come. They're trying to bring it. Blockchain will definitely assist in all that because it's you know a record of everything. So you would know, you'd be able to look at the blockchain. It'll probably tell you every block you've been on and every store you went into and what time you went in. And yeah, I'm against all those things, absolutely. Uh, but because Bitcoin is built with a blockchain and it maybe started the blockchain and a lot of these coins are based on it, uh, I don't just immediately put it into a evil basket uh, if it can be utilized and if I don't see you know, terrible thing, things with these ideas that we'll be able to transfer consciousness and you'll be able to live forever. And I think that's all uh, horseshit. But you know, can you make a digital file that can't be hacked, that can be passed from me to you without a central bank um, that's a store of value? I do think that's possible. I think that it's been coded, and I think it's called Bitcoin. What I see happening, especially with seeing with all the nonsense from the past year now, because, yep, we're almost at a year now, folks, that they have convinced dipshits to wear diapers on their faces and that everyone's going to die, even though they're not. Two diapers. Two diapers now. Maybe three. Could be three. Maybe three. But here's what I see coming uh, if things don't change in some way, shape, or form. This technology is probably going to get all corporate incorporated into a single digital ID that everyone's going to have to use. Uh, kind of like that the Bible would say, like like a buy and sell kind of thing. And I, I'm not a biblical person, but I see that. Can I tell that, you one company? Can I tell you one, real quick? One company that's come along that's caused problems in in Bitcoin, and I do see this happening. And there's going to be more of this. You just have to be careful where you where you go. PayPal has right announced that they're going to now start dealing in Bitcoin, mm-hmm. um, but. They're doing it in a very tricky manner, which is you don't actually own the Bitcoin. So, for instance, oh. let's I, let's say I have forty-five thousand in my account today, right? And I told PayPal, "Hey, I want to buy one Bitcoin." Okay, so PayPal says, "All right, you have one Bitcoin in your account. 
if I tried to pull that out, they would only give me the $45,000. They wouldn't give me the one Bitcoin. So from there, now if I want to spend Bitcoin at places and transfer it, I can. And at the very end, whatever Bitcoin's worth, they're going to give me the cash out. The problem with that is, is if you really think about it, they don't have to own. They're floating Bitcoin. They're doing kind of the same thing. Because they have the cash to do so. That's exactly what I said when I was using the Saudi example. They're holding possession. So if a bunch of corporations did that, they would in fact control bitcoin and with the 51 percent rule since we know all corporations play i mean no the 51 don't get me started yeah the 51 percent is miners not that's the people mining it but what i do agree with what he's saying is that yeah if you don't pay attention so for instance if you just listen to paypal who says come get your bitcoin here and you go spend your bitcoin there and then you've but they, they do this thing it's called um your keys your keys your bitcoin <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah what it means is that if you have the if you have the private keys it's your bitcoin if when you send money to PayPal and they give you a Bitcoin, ask PayPal for the private keys and they're going to laugh at you and they're going to be like, no, you don't own the Bitcoin. We do. So what they're basically doing is floating money to you. And uh, I don't know if that's any control of the Bitcoin, but they don't even need to necessarily have it is what I'm saying. If you, well, that's, they, that's the point. Then why, why do they do it? Because they're, they're big. Making, and so they'll end up holding a crap load of Bitcoin. And they'll make money off of it. But, I mean, that's the real – because they're always cashing it out, meaning, right? If you had 45000 and then you spent half of Bitcoin, so now you're down to 0.5, and you say, I want the 0.5 out, they'll just give you half of what you bought it for. So they, they've got this way now of basically owning Bitcoin, making money off of it, loaning it out to people at the price that they want to buy it for, 45000 today if you were to buy it from PayPal. But they really don't have to own it all. They don't I even don't, have to I don't have, want to state the obvious, but what you just described is PayPal hacking Bitcoin. It's not hacking. It's just, I could do that. So imagine yeah, it I is. Told, it's, it's undermining the way the system was intended. And well, since they're so big and have so much money, they yep. could potentially end up holding that's a just crap it. load of that's Bitcoin. That's just it. Yeah, the, the Bitcoin isn't being hacked, but someone with a large amount of money can manipulate the system. They can game it in their favor. That's what's going on. That's a hack. That's well, a hack. Not, right. It's not a hack in the in the software side of it, but it's it's them manipulating the system. So, I mean, it would be the same as let's say I've got only five Bitcoin, but I tell 10 people, hey, give me 45,000 each and you'll each own a Bitcoin. You know so what it's like, Jaron? It's like people holding paper for gold. It's very yeah, similar same, to that. Same, you right. don't have that gold same. and they could fuck you if they wanted to. Right. And here's the thing about that, though, is that it's not a, there's no problem that I'm talking about that's Bitcoin's problem. That is PayPal's problem and the people who use them. That's not Bitcoin doesn't have. There's nothing that could be coded against that. Like I just said, I could make that announcement. Hey, come pay me for Bitcoin. I'll give you. And then when you want to spend it, I'll send it for you. You don't have a gazillion dollars, so you'd end up holding a Bitcoin or two. PayPal will end up holding a crap load of it. Right. That's just a giant bank doing what giant banks do, and that's sticking a great big green dick up our ass. That's it. So if you are somebody who wants to get into Bitcoin, don't go through PayPal. That's not you're not helping the system at all. You're actually helping them make money and you are just spending Bitcoin instead of spending money. What's now you're directly tying money to Bitcoin by design. <laughs> you don't need to do that. So anyway, there's companies like that that are going to try to come on. I know that credit. I think Visa announced recently they're going to start getting into Bitcoin. So it's going to come around and all it's going to be <laughs> is people borrowing off of it. They're going to try and do whatever they can to get a piece of it. Yeah. So this is what they always but anyway, I, some, I don't want to keep us on here any some longer. Some CEOs changed chairs right before 2020, and part of that was they were all going to play together. But go ahead, Jason. Well, that's probably part of the Great Reset. Now that they started talking about that afterwards, I, I see that as 
things were going on behind the scenes that we just don't know the details of. But anyway, and we're way over time, and I appreciate everybody being here. I hope they enjoyed the conversation. But this is where I, I, I am concerned that I see everything going, and I don't think I'm wrong. That this technology has now been proven to work. You cannot hack it for all intents and purposes. So it'll probably start getting funneled down into a digital, a single a digital identification per individual so that everything, because a blockchain works by a ledger and everything is recorded. So did you get your vaccine? Did you do this? Did you do that? It's all going to go down to a single unit that every person on this in this great reset, which is going to be the global governance or whatever the hell you want to call it, that's where they're trying to take us to, just like they always were. All the crap that crazy-ass Alex Jones screamed about so badly 15 years ago, we're seeing it happen last year and this year. They're putting the pieces in place now and saying, guess what? We're doing the great reset. Fuck you. I agree. And I think what they're doing that from is the idea of Bitcoin, but I don't think they're using Bitcoin for that. Because there's too many. No, no, I don't think Bitcoin Bitcoin seems to be specifically it. I think the technology was being tested, and now now they know it works. That may not even have been the plan in the beginning, but the blockchain technology is a proven, effective solution for what they want. It will work so good for universal income. It'll work great for if you want an extra six hundred dollars a month. You just need to make sure you get vaccinated because it will go right into the blockchain. They'll be able to see. So yeah, they'll be able to track everything you've done. Uh, you'll get points for being on the internet. If you get thumbs up from Twitter, you'll get more points wouldn't, and more money. Wouldn't it be ironic if they invented Bitcoin just to inject blockchain, which nobody seemed to feel needed patenting or trademarking, which typically what happens with a good idea. Um, just saying, it sure would be ironic if Bitcoin was there just to do that. Well, I don't do think it's just Bitcoin because it's – you're saying that, but open source would not be would not be patented. I don't understand why you keep I'm, comparing. I'm talking this. about blockchain and the other things that came along and became so prevalent as yeah, Bitcoin they're open did. Source. They're open, open source. source has been around since the beginning of everything. That's okay. nothing new. So open source things are not patented. We were talking about the blockchain, which permanently ledgers out data. Correct. Right? Open source. So ideas. what I'm saying is, wouldn't it be ironic if Bitcoin came around? to inject an idea that they were going to use for other nefarious things like Jason was just pointing out. Putting your passport in a blockchain and your inoculation record. Yeah, um, that's what I see this being used for in the long run. Would it release something that would enrich people and be completely separate from banking just to get a blockchain out there? I'm not sure. They've used banking to control this country forever. So it's changing now, though, because their fiat can't be propped anymore, but they're not going to lose control. And no. what, what you just told me about PayPal, I had no idea. Um, yeah, that what amounts to control. That's what it amounts to. Well, what, what we know is what banks always. With this great sure. reset, they know what they're doing. If it's a if it's a collapse, it's a controlled collapse, just like 9-11. It's a controlled demolition of the economics. They, these people don't make these kind of mistakes. We're the ones who make mistakes. They know what they're doing, and that's that. I got a punch out here, dudes. Jaron, it was awesome yeah. to speak with you, and I sincerely hope you make coin on the coin. Thank um, you. And by the way, everybody, I just released 295. It's posted. Um, Jason, I'll probably do the video tomorrow because it's late. All right. Just- 295, Crow, let's take two seconds just to, just to talk about it, and then we'll sign off. Uh, we have Dr. Bear Lango, Lando talking about bioterrain theory, uh, which is another one of those common sense, no-brainer, based-in-nature things that one has to wonder how we ended up where we did with medicine, pushing drugs and chemicals all our lives. Basically, bioterrain looks at the makeup of a human body chemically, 
among other things, and it looks for what's lacking or what's too much, and it tries to bring you back in balance that way. Um, Dr. Berlando is a smart fellow, and we go far afield from BioTrain in hour two. We talk about things that I very rarely have an opportunity to talk with anyone about. I don't even remember exactly what they were, though, Jason, do you? Uh, we, we got into a lot of topics, so yeah, yeah very interesting stuff. Uh, he talked about how we got into the, 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 medicine, the, the medical system itself. He talks about uh, how we brought up how the, how the system is gained from the beginning, how he got out of it. Uh, we got into all the beer bug stuff. Yeah, we, we got pretty deep. But all right, uh, Jaron, in case anyone's living under a, has been living under a rock for a very long time, why don't you tell everybody who you are, what you do, and uh, how awesome you are? Awesome. Uh, no, I've just been doing the same thing for a long time. We're obviously heavily censored, and, and everybody knows that, and shadow banned, and all kinds of fun things like that. So if you're looking for my old videos, go to odyssey.com slash at, at sign Jaronism. And for everything, uh, my website's the place to start, dot com and yeah do a lot of shows throughout the week and then i also have been doing uh some of these kind of crypto consultations just an hour or two with different people who want to get in, involved and pretty simple just show you how to use a wallet how to spend how to buy uh, what to, how to store so if you're interested in that you can go to jaronism.com slash crypto i believe yes and uh that's it cool and of course i should be seeing you on monday thank you very much look forward to it Every Monday night on uh, TFR from, uh, let's see, I'm in, I always say central because that's where I'm at. So 8 to 10 <laughs> central on uh, TFR Live. I normally, and Rose too, normally yeah. join Jaron and our uh, mutual friend David Weiss. That's always a fun show. It's actually one of my favorite things I do as far as this kind of thing because it's, it's more relaxing to me. And it's like more like a conversation amongst friends and I don't have to do hardcore research. It's just <laughs> all of us people, kind of people that I, I, I'm very fond of and that uh, we all know what the hell we're talking about. And we just talk about uh, whatever, really, and then we take some phone calls, and it's always it's always a good time. So if you don't know about that, join us on that show every Monday. Thanks, Jaron. I'm sorry I kind of turned into a bit of a debate. I, I almost felt like I was hosting the presidential no debate for a while, but uh, I guess I should have saw that coming because Crow's going to be yeah, the – I kind of knew it was going to come to. I mean it, this is the thing is I get it. I'm in the – you know. I'm in the conspiracy community and I have already seen the kickback from people and I get it. I mean, how can you tell somebody, uh, you've been telling people forever that everything's a conspiracy and then all of a sudden here I am saying, well, maybe something isn't. So very, <laughs> people are very standoffish of that idea. I get it. And I would be in the same boat if it wasn't for what I've been through so far. And to sometimes I think you have to look at the past and see what has happened. And when we look at what's happened with money and we look at what's happened with the dollar and we think we look at all that stuff, we see a clear direction we see exactly where it's going when you look at bitcoin and if you look at from the beginning till now well there is also a direction it's just the opposite so does it mean it's always going to go that way nope uh does it mean it could fail tomorrow sure uh, but again if i'm going to bank anything on anything it's going to be something that has a track record that seems to be trending in the right direction there's just not a lot of things like that so again it's just like dell computers or apple computers I and mean, we can look back in hindsight's 2020 and say oh i wish i would have bought stock in it uh at the beginning right but you didn't know at the time that apple was going to be what it was or dell was going to be what it was or app or you know these different companies with bitcoin when you can see its performance so far you can kind of say hey maybe this has a chance 
uh, to continue on this kind of trajectory. I don't think you'll ever get the kind of returns you could have gotten. I'm not saying you're going to get, you know, it was worth a penny and now it's worth 45000 So figure out the, you know, what is that, uh, 4.5 million times your money. You're not going to get that. You're not going to get that kind of return. Uh, but again, if you don't look at it as a return and you just look at it as a scarce asset that you want to store, I don't see a problem with putting away a little bit here and there. Uh, might be our best bet. Yeah, I'm with you. Unless they upset the monopoly board, I I think it can work for for a lot of things, True. really. Yeah, and they they I mean we know that's going to have to happen. It's just a matter of time, right? I mean the the dollar will fail in some way or another. I mean it has to. They propped it up for too long. They keep handing it out. You know, like I said, more money was printed in 2020 than the first 200 years. Oh, it's insane. Country. Yeah, it's, it's insane. insane. So <laughs> the blowback is coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, I and and again, $3,000, bring yep. your freaking wheelbarrow. You're right. It's coming. It's just that people don't even, I mean, we should have already seen it. The fact that you can't print 40% of money in one year and not see price increases unless somebody's controlling all that. So when those things happen, when there's a huge inflation, extreme inflation, um, then people will all of a sudden have issues and we'll have to deal with those when we get there. But for me, that would be pretty detrimental. I mean, I need you know, if uh, if all of a sudden three thousand bucks is not worth anything anymore, I'm gonna have a tough time figuring out how to get by the next day. So I'm always looking for solutions because they're tough to come by. I'm not saying Bitcoin is that solution. I would never put your savings into it. I would never uh, do anything you know dumb like that. If whatever you put into Bitcoin, you should treat it as you've lost it. Uh, that's my advice there. And you might think, well, that's not something I want to get involved in. Yeah, that's then don't. Um, because you know this way you don't lose anything. Then again, if in ten years some people who did um, got some sort of reward out of it, you know don't don't kick yourself. I'm not doing that today. I'm not kicking myself about 2013. I realize I just want to think futuristic in the in the going forward. Think of ways to improve my you know existence going forward. That's all. All right, guys, and and just remember that this wasn't an argument. This we're all friends here. We all respect each other. We we all try our best to know what we're talking about, and uh, we're all still gonna be friends tomorrow. But I'll sign us off. That was that was a fun, very very long live stream. Uh, thanks everybody, and take care, and have a wonderful night. We'll see you next week.